The Ron and Fez Show starts right now. I come in last night about a half past ten. That baby of mine wouldn't let me in.
Chris Stanley starts us off with some lonesome George. George Thurgood and the Delaware Destroyers. The world's greatest bar band. The band that keeps everybody who plays in a bar thinking, hey, Thurgood did it. Maybe we could pull it off. George Thurgood, slide guitar. Just a bag of songs by Chuck Berry, Bo Diddley, John Lee Hooker, Hank Williams. Uh, and makes a career out of it. Still out there. Uh, doing that one-nighter thing, night after night, coming up a little later on in the show, George Thurgood will be here with us. It's pretty goddamn cool. It's, uh, well, it's bad, is what it is. Bad. I saw George Thurgood one time burn a fucking place down, in all honesty. One of the really great, fun, live rock and roll bands to, uh, to see, George Thurgood and the Destroyers, is at this uh, club, this great little club that used to be in Philadelphia called the Bijou Cafe. And uh, he comes out, sitting in the chair, halfway through the song, kicks the chair into the audience. And when I say audience, I mean a couple of rows. I mean, it was a little tight place. And then proceeded just to kick the shit out of the place. Nobody sat down. People were, you know, just dancing on tables. And fucking this friend of mine, I'll just use this name, Berkey, uh, spends the entire night, oddly, dancing with his bar stool. <laughs> and it was just him and his bar stool. And he's out on the, you know, it became that thing that everybody's laughing at the guy with the bar stool. That's awesome. And then later, he, you know, puts it in front of him so nobody could see and goes out the door with it and tries to shove it in the car for the ride home. I'm like, dude, it was all funny in there, you know. Everybody was laughing, you on a bar stool. But you're not going to take it home. You're not going to have a long relationship with this. This is done. That was that magical moment, that magical rock and roll moment. Now it has to end. Well, it's like merch. You just remember the show for something. Well, you got to pay for merch. You just can't take it. And that bar stool needed that. That fucking bar wanted people to sit on that stool and have drinks, not dance around with it, but then it's your girlfriend, and then take it so far that you try to put it in the fucking car with you. Now you've taken a very amusing story that we could all share yeah. years later, yeah. and you've turned it into a fucking inconvenience. Because uh -huh. nobody wants a fucking the leg of a bar stool against the back of their ear. You always take everything just a little too far, don't you? That's your thing. You ZZ Top Beard motherfucker. Everybody thinks it's fun. You got hemostats hanging off of them. Anyway, the important story is this. George Thurgood is going to be here, so I want you to fucking just grab some Windex and clean this place up a little bit. Okay. We have some Clorox wipes. Because he's out on the road. One-nighters, one after another. York, PA. Verona, PA. Rama, I guess that's Ontario, yeah. Oneana, New York. Uh, check out all the tour dates at georgethurgood.com. georgethurgood.com. I think Ulster's where it's all happening tonight. At the uh, Yeah, Ulster Performing Arts. That's in Kingston, New York. Okay, thank you. You're always right on top of it, Chris Stanley. The PAC in Kingston. Okay, you got it. Performing Arts Center. When are you going to Bogota, wherever the fuck you go? 
What's this trip of yours? Budapest. It's going to be great. We need weird. the fucking Midnight Express music playing out of you. That's the saddest music in the fucking world. It sounds like somebody's getting butt fucked in a Turkish prison. Uh. What did Budapest used to belong to? Uh, everyone. It, it, it was taken over by a bunch of different... The Turkish Empire held it for a while. Wasn't it Weird, Transylvania? Weirdly, it kept uh, all of its beautiful buildings, though. There's some really... I looked it up online. Art Nouveau. Uh, if you want to see what uh, Budapest looks like, go to offthevista.com. <laughs> they have an image search now. I don't know if they do or not, but... Uh... So, uh, that's a big thing that's happening out there. George Thurgood, uh, stomping in, uh, later. Um, here's, uh, Red Bear, you're on the Manifest Show. Hey, Ronnie, uh, if you ask George Thurgood about playing at that Chadford Tavern, he might know the name of that, uh, piano player that you're always searching for. That's a really good, uh, point. And then he might, he might, you can ask him about, it's kind of a long shot, but bumping into those assholes, those Johnson gangs, the dude shot up his sons and shit. Yeah, well, this is a story, maybe you've seen the movie, Chris, uh, At Close Range. Yeah. You've seen a movie? Yeah. Well, that used to take place, when these guys would rob places, they would go to this place called the Chad's Ford Tavern. And the Chad's Ford Tavern were very lenient about the way that they would card. So as a kid, I could go out there and sit down and have a fucking drink. You nice. know what I mean? Like a person. Not like some high school kid in a fucking... in a field with a, with a fucking keg. But sit down like a fucking person while I was in high school. Civilized. Yeah. They would give you a good five, six years leeway <laughs> before Christ. you were 21. Well, the guys from this movie, In Close Range... After they used to fucking whack people or they'd get some money, they would go to the Chatsford Tavern and start throwing cash around. That was their big deal. Oh, that's, fucking, that's fucking nuts. So, yeah, uh, Thurgood actually used to play there, and it was always a thing of, you know, Thurgood used to play here all the time, man. We were amazingly proud of George in my neighborhood. He's the fucking man. Well, you know, it's the uh, by the time that he uh, went on, he did that fucking Stones tour. With Jay Giles, everybody felt like, we, any of us could do anything, just like Rocky said. Uh, but the important thing is this. We're all fucking friends now. Things about to come in. That's fucking dope. Tell him about your trip to Bangkok. <laughs> Budapest. One night in fucking Bangkok. <laughs> you gotta hit all the fucking bees. Oh, Bogota, Bangkok, Budapest. Fucking triple X's out there doing some triple X shit. What's your big story today, Chris? Okay, this just, uh, this, this... This just in? This just, literally, this just in. <laughs> uh, a police officer here in New York in the Bronx, um, at first, the first initial story was he got busted for being a peeping Tom. Uh -huh. No big deal, whatever. Turns out, he was peeping his 21-year-old stepdaughter. How's the peeping? How's the peeping, Tommy? Getting dressed and having sex. Alright, see, this is the kind of shit that Forum Magazine lied to you about. Like, Forum Magazine would always line that up, like, this is a good thing, and would all turn into this big, fun sex romp. Yeah, because, oh, And in real life, you get fucking thrown in jail like a scumbag. Yeah, busted. Uh, yeah, obviously, his lawyer's saying that, you know, this this never happened. But he had surveillance equipment trained on her room, watching her 
bang dudes. I come up with an interesting uh, fucking dilemma we have here in this thing because surveillance equipment used to mean you had to go someplace and buy this fucking spy shit, and now everything is spy shit. Yeah, you can hide a camera anywhere. It's well, a camera's a button now. You can have a fucking button. Yeah, and you know they're all fucking high quality. It's all everything's in HD. So, I'm, I'm going to point this out to people. Yeah. If you want to see somebody's studies, you're going to have to ask them. That's, see, this is why I like to teach fucking kids. Maybe he was, like, picking up signals from the stepdaughter, you know? That's what fucking perverts do. <laughs> they think there's unspoken signals. We have language for a reason. Look at this. Uh, where are these CNN pictures? Massachusetts. Looks like they got 18 feet of snow there. The snow is fucked up. I mean, over 7 million dead. It's fucking. I met all over the world. Still, another twenty thousand coming every day. Yeah, this story that you're doing, you're like, oh, this poor guy. It's yeah. sad what happened to him. Yeah. No, it isn't. He's a fucking terrible person. I'm sure he'll, the fence will be. Well, I'm a police officer. Of course, I'm going to have surveillance equipment in my home. And just try to get it out of there like it was just some sort of work equipment that he that he left at the house. The uh, I think they ran out together and then she got cold feet. That's what I think. I don't think anything about it. I think it's done. It's taken care of, and that'll be the end of it. This, this isn't going to turn into one of these big trials for you. This fucker is going to go in and go, "Hey, you caught me." I'm a scumbag from fucking scumbag town. And I got a feeling that the fucking mom is going to be like, whatever, I'm taking him back. Uh, the daughter's legal. She's 21 years old. That's all I'm saying. Chris, what is the... Uh, yeah, she's legal. Don't mean you can take fucking pictures of her. <laughs> you know, nuns are legal, but you can't fucking set up a spy camp for them. I don't need you coming out on the side of the pervs here, Chris. I'm just, it makes you look bad. I think they haven't gotten the whole story yet. I think this stepdaughter fucking... I think they were in on together, and then she... I don't know, maybe the boyfriend found what out What are you basing this on? Your own sick fantasies? I mean, you got no information. The guy's fucking pleading guilty. He's no, doing the fucking perp walk. Not yet. Trust me. He fucking knows New York. He goes in and slaps it down. Last thing he wants to do is end up in front of a jury. <laughs> They bring out some sweet girl and put glasses on her. I don't know what to do. It's a sexy story. Oh, you're disgusting. <laughs> you know what? You need to go to fucking Budapest and uh, just wash this grime off of you. I feel like I'm just going to pick up more grime there. <laughs> All right, let me read some of this. West Millie Tom says they're good in the studio. Badass. Can I sit in? No. Uh, uh, Jimmy's Jimmy Finger Stinks has a fucking problem with you. Um, then here's one that says fuck yeah, Pepper can't go wrong with George and the Destroyers. One Court George is a saint. He was on Miami Vice for Christ's sakes. Liz says fire left the night. Hashtag I can't understand. Weird. Definitely not Pepper's playlist with no one bourbon, one one scotch, one beer. Mm. So Brian Baker's got nothing but kind words for you. Brian Baker's a good dude. Uh, 
And then, of course, he's going to be mocked for that by the others, the other mean people. <laughs> Jericho Russo says, best uh, backing band name in history. I agree 100%. I do like a really good back. Uh, uh, now, well, you know, my thing is, like, you need to have a place with it. Delaware Destroyers, New York Dolls. But I don't like when you just use the place and nothing else. Chicago, Asia, Ambiguous. America. Those are fucking ridiculous. You don't even know what's happening. Now, call yourself the American Saints, and you might have a little something there. Uh, Pete, you're on the Ron Fez Show. Hey, Ronnie. How you doing today? Um, what can we hey, do man. for you? I uh, wanted to talk about how Pepper is uh, basically blaming the victim, uh, a lot like the CNN uh, women did. You know, he said it was basically this chick's fault that her dad was peeping on her. I'm not telling you. I'm not. Hey, hey, you hey, are. You're hey, a victim blamer. Hey, hey, I don't blame the victim. I'm saying that maybe there was no victim here and that they were in cahoots together. It's the way he was brought up. Apologist, Pepper. I'm throwing out a fucking theory. I'm sorry I'm not just believing everything the media throws in my fucking face. You are the media. How did you think that you were separate? <laughs> um, I don't know where that comes off with you. You're like, well, I'm outside of the media. You're a fucking corporate man. Uh, it is the Ron and Fez show. One of the brackets closing down here, Chris. Uh, brackets closed down Thursday. Thursday at 12.15 p.m. That's when the first game starts. That's when you can stop. Uh, making out your brackets. And we have a prize to give out today for someone who signs up today. For someone who signs up today, they're going to get a prize in the bracket challenge. Millie Hatchet says, ask them if they know any other chords. I will say this. Why learn anymore when you got the important ones down? They took those three chords I've been doing it for 35 years. Ain't nothing wrong with that. And there's a prize that had to be out for yesterday. Uh, the person who signed up. Now, hold on, just take your time. Just break in between slurs so we can understand you. From yesterday, everyone hates popcorn wins the Gutenberg Bible for signing up for the bracket challenge. Well, I feel bad about that because I have a young friend named Popcorn. Popcorn is not in today. So that's why everyone hates popcorn and gets the prize. Um. And I think G-Baby's coming in a little later on, right? Jibby. He's going to be in the house. Jibby. Jibby. Uh, looks like Judd Apatow calling out the haters, huh? Yeah, Apatow is... Uh, well, specifically for people hating on This Is 40, uh, he said that you're not if you, if you don't like This Is 40, you're not deep enough. It says, what I'm trying to do is talk about things in a complex and deeper way as possible, while also trying to be hilariously funny. That's something that people don't try that often. Some people really dig it, and some people don't. It's a very tough thing when you try to defend your work. You know what I mean? It never comes off sounding good. Don't you realize how fucking great this is? It's your problem. And there are people, plenty of people, who think that it's great. You're not going to be for everybody. He should feel proud of what he's doing. I mean, you would think it. He's one of the biggest names in Hollywood. I like to talk to him about uh, a merch idea I have for him right now. I think we could all make a lot of money. Oh, what's that? I hate to give it away on the air, but I'm going to do it. Okay, okay. It's the Judd Apatow. And it's a towel that you can get. Dump out. It's too good. Thank you. Dump out. Thank you. If that goes out, we're fucked. Did you catch it in time, Pips? I think I caught it, Ron. Mm, that's not good. <sighs> Should I call him Pips or Nick Bastille? He'll always be Pips to me. 
Why well, didn't notice he ain't doing pipsradio.com with his, That's his fuck up. UN gang of friends? <laughs> so you're live read guy now. That's a cool thing for you. I didn't know that you picked that up, that you're giving out the prizes. You're the guy doing the, the thing. You're giving out. That's perfect for you. I'll bang on a couple things. Sure. All right. Uh, I'm glad to know that you're on it. Uh, this, uh, this hideous, ugly day that we have outside. I need somebody to fix the weather. I thought it was Sam Champion, get a hold of him and tell him that I want his weather machine to be taken care of. The weather machine's just. Wait a minute, hold on. I got a spy report here. I got to even fucking check on this. Spy I hate report. to put it out. Spy report. So I know. Uh, Dan, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey guys, uh, buddy David Allen Coe, the great country music legend, ran a red light this morning. I was T-boned by a semi. How's he doing? Uh, I guess he's doing okay. He's in the hospital. His wife's with him, but they said he's doing all right. I don't think he can be hurt, and he can't yeah, die. I don't think so. Holy shit! His car got destroyed. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything to him. That means nothing. There's an Ocala. 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 There's no place called Ocala. What are you, just in from Boston? Good God. Uh, get me my sports, King, because the LeBron taunt. And Did you watch the game last night? What the fuck? They're making it, they're fucking making it really fucking... I can't, I can't, I don't know if I can watch the next one. That you were so close. tense with it? Uh, it was well, you know, close. I mean, there's teams that play them really, really good. Uh, and when you go to Boston... And they hate you, you should lose. So the fact that they won this at all is gigantic in terms of their chances. Uh, Matty Ice is in here. Matty, what's the streak right now? 23, which is the second longest of all time officially. And what's number one? 33. That's the old LA Lakers? Yes, it is. Uh, what, 72, 73, something like that? Yeah, something like that. The Jerry West days. I mean, so... That old man that you see at the at the Lakers game was the guard. That's how far back we're going. Now watch this dunk and taunt. He gets called for taunting. Over Jason Terry, right? Yeah, Jason yeah. Terry, who... And then he just stares at him. I didn't see him taunt. I just saw a stare yeah, down. Yeah, the stare is a taunt, I guess. Right? Why it's does an intimidating stare. What's wrong with that? He just got fucking intimidated. He just got fucking. <laughs> he got more through. than intimidated. I'd rather get stared at than I knocked guess, on my ass. I guess they think that the embarrassment of getting dunked on is enough. You don't need to be stared at, also, because that's embarrassing enough. What just happened to him? And, and then the just, fact that he took it all the way to the floor. Adding insult injury. All right, I need you to get a list of. So we're what nine games out. Nine games out. I need the list of the next nine games. I was looking at it earlier, actually. Okay. There's Who's the possibilities that they could lose? This, they, they the Spurs? Eight games, and then I think 30 and 31 would be Spurs-Knicks. Oh, first of all, the Spurs. And that's where? Uh, in San Antonio? Show the actual teams. Yeah. Um, I think it's in San Antonio, but I'm not 100% positive. You're 100% sure. <laughs> it's there. So then they would actually... If that happens, they do it in New York? That's no, where they would break it or tie it in New York? No, it will be uh, 31 in New York. And then I think it will be 33 in, I want to say, Philadelphia. Don't say that. I got enough problems. It's going to be Philly will be in Miami for the 33rd. All right, so it's first Philadelphia. All right, so I was... But they're going to be at San Antonio. Yeah, there you go. I was right. So that's the game that... 
That's why I think when everyone's cleaning out, like, this is this could be. Well, it. that's how I thought about last night. That's why I was fucking locked into that. And I'm jumping back and forth on one of the shows. I had a very stressful night. Until then, you got Cleveland, the Pistons, the Bobcats. Who. There's a good stat last night. It's, it's taken the Bobcats. 705 days to get to 23 wins. Okay, so they're, yeah, they're struggling. Right now, they're struggling a little bit. They're going through one of those periods, you know, where you can't buy a win. And then, uh... But here's what kills me. Do you know, it's like, the media, and Pepper's part of the media, are playing this very low-key. Suppose this would have happened in LeBron's first fucking year in Miami. That's all... Before the championship, yeah. yeah, before, like when right. he first went to Miami, if they got on, because this is what they were expecting, no one will ever beat this team at anything. So if they would have got a run on a run like this, they would have named this country LeBron. <laughs> Getting that fucking ring really changed everything for the, just his whole fucking coverage. Well, he got the ring, and then he went and got the gold medal, and uh, he was MVP really of both places, MVP of his league. Uh, then he comes back and he's just the best player in basketball by a long shot. Yeah, he's the best player in basketball, but he also is beyond that. He's carrying the torch for basketball. He's Tiger Woods Woods right yes. now. He was incredible last night, and Jeff Green tried his best to thwart him in that game. You know, he he had forty three points. Jeff Green for the Celtics, yeah. which is crazy for Jeff Green, but LeBron's LeBron. It's, it's what it is. I like to get a deal with him with Bronny Paper Towels and just call it LeBronny Paper Towels. <laughs> dump, out, dump out of this. You really think I'm just I'm on one of those tears right now where genius is just flowing? <laughs> don't, stop saying it out loud. <laughs> I don't know how much dump we have left. <laughs> oh. Like, no, like, not like feces. Seriously, I mean, like, if it was your job to shit on people, <laughs> that you can yell out stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, Rich, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, we're all Pepper? Yeah. See, what are you mad about? It's <laughs> a nice caller. Okay, nice caller. What's up? You'll like this. Budapest is the porn capital of Eastern Europe. Lots of women, lots of drugs, my friend. <laughs> oh, great. Dude, I'm going to tell you right now, and I hope we have the Midnight fucking Express team. I don't want you Midnight Expressing. Don't worry. I want to have to send popcorn over there and shove his titties against the fucking window <laughs> while you're crying and jerking off. Popcorn? How'd you get out here? <laughs> you can't even afford to cut the fucking... You keep it together now, Pepper. <laughs> We're thinking about you, man. Keep it together. You're just fucking down there, just fucking walking around in circles the entire night. That's fucking. That's so finally, you got to put a hole in the back of some mean fucking sadistic guard's head, and then run out and get on a rowboat. It's pretty easy to get away. <laughs> Let's get a Danube. That's the wrong. Midnight <laughs> Express theme. Jesus. They ought to fucking arrest you just for not knowing music. What did you even have up? Some disco song? It was some weird disco thing that, that Why? was labeled. This is the sadness. Popcorn? Window <laughs> <laughs> Show me. Show me. Show me. Show me. <laughs> 
That's going to be a weird time in my life. I'm jerking off to popcorn. Yeah, well. <laughs> it's like rock bottom. Rock hard. Uh, not for him. <laughs> not for this motherfucker. <laughs> he ain't even seen bottom. <laughs> he does a show with Dave. Things well, get weird, okay? They do get weird. I seen the double piss thing the other night. I got to admit, I was somewhat embarrassed. What? No. Pew. I feel like watching this. I haven't watched this in a billion years. Hey, Todd, Michigan, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, it's a pleasure, guys. I want to talk to Pepper and say I've been to Budapest, and they have a torture museum there. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. But it's like a communist torture museum. It sounds like a downer. Well, what what no, kind it's... of happy torture museum is there? <laughs> well, I'd say like a, a medieval torture museum would be fucking kind of interesting, but like just the communism and the... It's not happy, though. You, the medieval torture museum is your bed and breakfast you're going to be staying at. <laughs> uh, here's Liz in New Jersey. Hey, Ron, how are you? Good. Listen, I... Wasn't there a book about uh, Midnight Express written by the original dude? Yeah, that's what they they based the movie on. What what is it named? Is it called Midnight Express? Uh, get on the uh, Wikipedia on this. The right. the guy used to be um, show up at every party in New York for years. Okay. What was his real name? Chris? Billy Billy Hayes. Billy Hayes. Billy that's Hayes. right. Okay, yeah. I could just I could just Google it. And also was that. Uh, was that uh, song, that song that you just played called Dancing with a Stranger? I don't know the name of it. Oh, man. I call it Themed that, Midnight that Express. That music is awesome, and, it, and the music was by um, some weird dude, wasn't it? What was the music? All by? music is by some weird dude. That's the whole point <laughs> of music. Who did know, the but theme? I, I was trying to remember the name of the guy. Like somebody like, I don't It sounded like some Eastern European guy. Not an Eastern European guy. That's very cool that you uh, brought that up because that m movie has haunted me since the day I saw it. I bet it did. Giorgio Thanks. Marauder. Oh, Giorgio Marauder. Oh, you, you guys are the best. All right. I Talk to you later, guys. honey. Bye-bye. Glenn, seriously, the brain on you was unbelievable. You got like a computer mind. Your mind is like a goddamn computer. Want to play a game? Uh, Glenn, go ahead. Hello, Ronnie. Hey. I got a great story. I was living in Turkey in the 90s. I uh, meet two Scottish guys, loud, obnoxious in the bars, smoking hash. Next thing you know, I don't see them for two days. They just pop up. They're all quiet and humble. I say, what's going on? They got done by a taxi driver from selling hash smoking hash in their room they get busted they get strapped down to a table and electric shock to the bottom of their feet till they told who sold them the drugs and then they gave them 24 hours to get out of town get out of turkey that's like the worst fucking sequel to midnight express i've ever heard in my life that's the True thing story. chris i know you want to get over there yeah. and smoke that ash and oh, eat yeah. that fucking hash you get all fucked up but you know you got that other thing hanging over your head you're in a foreign country that, that's I'm very, very, very worried about that. And there's another thing. Yeah. Your own government hates you. <laughs> I have a record. And plus there's gypsies, and so you can't we, trust the fucking... You live gypsy. like Billy Hayes here in fucking your own town. You're always getting the fucking shakedown. Just see that uh, there is a court thing right now about the stop and frisk in New York City. Yeah. 
And they're like, of course, it's illegal and it's racist. And Bloomberg said, I get all that, but it also really helps with crime. Didn't you notice it's down? <laughs> it's way down. I've been stopping first before. I mean, you know. Good. You need to be Was fucking. It? I like to no. see you stopped and first in this hall. Definitely not. You were drunk in here on Friday. <laughs> I was a little tipsy. I don't remember a lot of the show. It's not good, really, when you think about it. Or you just lose. You memory. look like fucking Uday Hussein, the way you fucking. <laughs> and now you're going over to fucking Budapest like that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm going to fit right in. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> How far to Turkey from where you're at? I'll Google map it. Yeah, Google map everything you can. Because <laughs> I might need you to fucking stop over and shake somebody down for me. The street, the street food in Turkey. You know what they sell like a hot? No, instead of a hot dog, they sell like it's a fucking a, a loaded baked potato. It's one of the best goddamn things in the world. There was a Turkish spot in my neighborhood that sold tur giant Turkish baked potatoes. Is the street food amazing? Why? Why would they have a giant baked potato? It's fucking huge. And I don't know. It's What's in it? Uh, it could be like there's like Russian dressing and like fucking like chorizo and uh... where you got to eat it sitting on the toilet. <laughs> You don't even bother fucking getting up. That's no, really good. Trust me. Here, we have a table for two at these toilets. <laughs> Come and sit down. It's, uh, Jesus, it's like 14 hours by car. Well, how much by rail? Because I might need you to stop. All right, so you're in Romania. I'm, uh, no, I'm, I'm in Hungary. I'm fucking starving, too. I want the fucking Midnight Express theme playing constantly. And not that first disco version that you were playing. I was mislabeled on YouTube. It was fucking labeled. It's a Midnight Express theme. Midnight Express theme. You picked out the fucking wrestling theme, you idiot. I thought it sounded familiar. Um, Alright, Brad is confirming. Brad, go ahead. Yeah, Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express. That was their fucking theme song when they would come out. They'd always write the Rock and Roll Express, and that was the song they always played. What a fucking idiot, Chris. <laughs> Thank you, Brad. It takes yep. somebody from fucking Orlando to explain Georgia wrestling to us. Here we go. Here's here's the good shit. Here's the real stuff. Judge Joe Marauder. You all know him. You all know and love him. My name is Chris Stad. I should just take a fucking like cyanide capsule with me, just in case. Like you should do that anyway. You should have <laughs> carry that when you go and do Dave's show on a Saturday. <laughs> this, I can't. <laughs> You're screaming so much. <laughs> I wish you guys would invite me in one night. You're, you're please come in. But I mean, a, like a nice invitation, like fucking written up and shit. Like right. go through booking. Oh, like okay. seriously, All if right. you went through booking, it would be fucking great for me. Okay. All right. We're we're gonna go through the booking department. I mean, you know, personal. I like to get a nice fucking introduction. Maybe you bring me on like, hey, this is a guy who saw something in me many years ago. You know, like I'm fucking sobbing a little bit by the time I make it to the mic. Okay. I'm like, oh, you guys are fucking killing me right now. All right, we're, I'm going to talk to booking and then we're going to fucking finally organize this thing. Who are you talking to on booking? Liam? Do me a favor yeah. and use Zito because he's really trying to get... Some things going. All right, I'll use Zito. Okay. All right. He's not even here right now, though. He's gone for like a week and a half. All right. Here's what I want you to do: call leads, and then tell me he also needs to bring an alligator in. <laughs> <Then> done. <laughs> done. 
Uh, Jay, you're on the run of Fed show. Hey guys, what's up? Yeah. Um, I was wondering if any of you guys uh, caught the Bates Motel last night. I thought it was so so. I'll keep watching. I, I only caught the beginning of it because then I had to get back into the fucking ball game. I've got it uh, DVR'd because I promised Liz sets fire. I would try, you know, like, oh, well, we have a horror night now. But there's so. The thing is, remember how people used to say, oh, there's nothing to watch on TV? I've got too many fucking shows now. I jumped in. Yeah. The Jumped in the top of the lake last when, night. Was, was both you guys just... <laughs> I don't know. This guy's thinking bigger I mean, than well, We said what we thought of it. I mean, you guys are supposed to like one at a time. You both thought, I can't understand both of you. <laughs> yeah, it's set in like the present well, time. Well, you know, well, I, 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 so I jumped in the Yeah, it's set in the present day. But uh, I like the kid. I remember him from that other uh, movie. Uh, I don't know what it was. Perks of being a wallflower. And then, of course, the, uh, the mother in it. Has done our show. If you're a Farmiga. Yeah, and I I would like to call her the new girl with the Windex eyes. I mean, she's got haunting eyes. Like, I mean, it was assumed in the original Hitchcock film that him and Mother were fucking each other. Do you think Vera Farmiga is going to make a move on this kid in, in the TV show? Yeah. Hot. That's a gimme. You can look at the way she's fucking hanging on him right now like a cheap fucking suit. <laughs> um... So we got that. So did you enjoy Top of the Lake? Um, the fucking uh, the Matt Mullen, the uh, the fucking he's the best thing on TV right now. That guy is the shit. Yeah. He's been like he's, he's had like small roles in a, in a bunch of other films, and but this this thing he's like fucking he's the the badass. Yeah, you haven't begin to see it. I mean, he's off the fucking chain, scary. This fucking show this is great. Top, Top of the Lake is like a really great movie. But anyway, to get back to my original thing, but before you and that guy start talking at the same time and trying to derail the show, I wasn't trying to. I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying it's true. Oh, feel bad. Can I have half your cyanide tablet? <laughs> it's coming in the mail. So as soon as they get in. Oh. <laughs> what? Coming in the mail is what Fez wants to do someday. Now. Right, first of all, I gotta step off here because Blowhard uh, wants to give us some fun facts from the past. Blowhard, what do you got for us, buddy? I'm just shocked that everybody forgot about the greatness of Giorgio Moroder. Uh, not only did he work with Bowie, he worked with uh, Donna Summer, he worked with Blondie. Um, incredible producer. He was the number one DJ producer in the 70s who was doing that electronic sound way before anybody else was. And when Hicks says some creepy guy from Europe or whatever. Right, that's what he said. expecting this guy because, you know what? Anything past 1985, anything beyond 1985, he ignores this. Oh, kid. fuck you. All you, you do is disrespect me, <laughs> motherfucker. What do you call it? Oh, you no, crazy worked, old yeah, asshole. You fucking dinosaur. How the fuck did a raptor learn how to goddamn fucking dial a phone? Come on, you know what? You should just like. Wait, is this Jurassic Park? You have no idea what you're doing. You don't know you're shit. You just call in talking bullshit it's about fucking George O'Rourke. He's got, he's got you. He has that dick. He has that dick. Remember when you, you, you put, put up the wrong song? <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. That was funny. Hey, hey, hey. Who's the you the goddamn music in fucking YouTube? Yesterday, you said, who's running for mayor in New York? The woman, uh, the first lesbian. What's her name? Christine Quinn. No, yesterday you called her a different name. You said Kathleen Quinn, but that's... Yeah, he did. Oh, big fucking deal, Christine, Kathleen, the same fucking thing. I got the last name right. That was the girl who went in a coma, right? I just think that you're not sober. I think that I'm... Well, yesterday I was hungover. Today I'm perfectly fine. You know what? You're not going to Budapest. Oh, come on. Why not? You're too drunk. 
This is why the interns don't respect you because you're not they don't in. respect Maddie you. Matty Ice respects me. Tom Gordon's a fucking wild card. But you got to just remember. You're setting an example. You're coming in intoxicated. I'm not coming in you intoxicated. I'm getting intoxicated when I get in. <laughs> you go on the air drunk? Jesus. I mean, what kind of profession? You're a fucking cunt. You, you know that? You're a fucking stupid you? old man. Easy. And you call in, you bust my balls every fucking time. You're just doing it to get in my fucking skin. They're gonna skin. love you, man. They're gonna put you up against the wall. You're gonna get that billion. Oh, you creepy fucking weirdo. You're all moronic goddamn fantasies. I bet you'd like that, wouldn't you? And you're gonna be walking in that airline and they're gonna... To get the dogs on you, and you're going to It might happen. Touch oh. shit. It might happen. Nothing. Why don't you go rent the movie and see your future? Fuck eight. off. Why don't you run a Betamax, you old creep? All right. That's it for you, too. All right, thanks, Blowhard. Dude, you got to get along better with him. <laughs> he calls up and fucking purposely picks fights with me. Am I going crazy? It's George Thurgood Day, okay? Yeah. Now, because it's Thurgood, I want us feeling good. I want us looking good. And I want us acting b b b b b bad I'm down. I just, you know, when Blowhard calls in and, you know, is, is a purposely a dick. Yeah. What am I going to do? Not defend myself? By the way, Thurgood keeps the accent, so you will hear the Joe Biden accent. <laughs> That's awesome. Today, yeah. It's a fucking great accent. I didn't even know it was an accent until I moved. <laughs> Would you give... Uh, you know, this Apatow thing, you give him a pass or fail. You got to give the guy a pass. On what? What On him defending his work? No, on his work itself. Oh, yeah, I love 40-Year-Old Virgin. I had a fucking great movie. You know, th this is what happens when guys, they hang around on Twitter and have to hear shit all the time <laughs> and defend themselves all the time. Uh, the Michael Jordan paternity case has been dismissed. The mother who demanded it decided, I don't want it anymore. I'm going to go home and play in a treehouse made of stacks of $100 bills. So this is what kind of father Michael Jordan is. Let me pay it to go away. And they it. say that in the parenthood thing. If you have enough money, just give it to them, the kids and the wife, to leave you alone. That's being a good dad. <laughs> Did he pay or did she know it was bullshit and kind of just dropped out of it? Why is she not talking? And it's yeah, still it's left true. open. There's been any more well, YouTube videos. Has, yeah, the kid hasn't put out another video saying I still want him to come around and hang. I mean, they never even took the paternity test. He got... I mean, why wouldn't she at least make him do that? Just drag it out as much as she possibly can. Next thing you know, get video of the kid like the Floyd Mayweather with a stack of money in his hands. She got He got $750,000. That's how much money he paid off. I'm going to call it right now. How much? $750,000. Triple that, at least. Really? You think yeah. fucking it was millions. Because this kid is due a lot of fucking cash. I guess if it actually was, if he did actually take the test and it was legal in court, yeah, he would have been liable for a fuckload more. I yeah. think they were trying to scam him. Um, the iPad is a new shoe mirror. That viral video is up online. Um, granny doing a keg stand I can't even look at. <laughs> That's Gordon Ramsay hitting on somebody's wife or someone's check anyway. Uh, sign up for March Madness. I'm ready to run the gamut on this, but they gave the odds of what it, you'd have to do to pick every game. And it's easier to 
hit the lottery in four different states at the same exact time. Yeah, it's it's crazy to actually hit this. And uh, the- yeah, I feel like I can do it. When I look at it, I feel like I can do it. <laughs> Giving out a prize today for someone who signs up to the bracket challenge. And I'll pick that out and give it out at the end of the show. So fucking consider yourself fucking lucky. Poor uh, Gorilla Bob is like cheering for Fez to get in there and help fucking Hicks. Um, it is very fucking exciting, though, to know that this is all coming down. Carrying around my bracket, I filled it out. Kansas, Still fucking Kansas State. State. Kansas State. Oh, <laughs> such a bad you gotta choice. get in Did and you, make sure your brackets are filled out by Thursday. Did you um see the thing with Robert Kraft about the Walker stuff? And they were saying, "Isn't Brady mad at you?" And he goes, "I don't answer to Tom I don't Brady." Answer to Tom Brady, yeah. I have a very young wife <laughs> that I go places with. My, Extremely young. My indentured servants, Tom Brady, because that's how they treat all of them. I mean, if, if you if you can fucking, I mean, obviously he doesn't answer to Tom Brady. I get that. But you don't have to fucking act like an asshole towards Tom Brady. I thought it was- After Tom Brady just goes and fucking takes the collar, doesn't take as much money, then you can't keep Welker for him because you're too fucking stupid? That's... I thought it's why Tom Brady took the pay cut. Just, yeah. for, just for Welker. Well, they got Mr. Glass, Danny Amendola, to fucking come in and get injured in the See, second game. In. Mr. Glass, he huh? He'll be just as good as Welker was. That's my nemesis. <laughs> if, if he, he stays, stays healthy, healthy that's stays the problem. Healthy. Yeah, right. not. You know? If fucking Hicks stays healthy, he's fucking extremely funny. But the guy fucking <laughs> gets out two lines, calls for 15 minutes, and then yells out, oh, that's green. It's the worst one. It's that color. I saw him cough up a fucking baby bird one day. You're smoking too much when shit like that's happening. All right, we got a break here because we got uh, George Thurgood coming up. G-Baby up in a little bit. We'll be talking summer movies. Some are good, some are awful. That's G-Baby's big joke. Uh, But we will be back with uh, George Thorogood. Uh, Go over to georgethorogood.com. I would go there right now and see all the places that he's playing because he's still out there playing that rock and roll. After all these years, still out there playing that rock and roll. Uh, We break. We'll be back. It's the Ron Fest Show. And Fez Show on the Open Anthony Show. Sirius XM. <laughs> You've been warned.
Flame is in the studio with us. George Theriger, good to see you, George. How's everything, man? Ron Edenfez. <laughs> How are you, man? Bad. You're always bad. <laughs> Still bad after all these years. That's me. Uh, you and I were just talking a little bit off air about uh, the area where we both grew up, and I would say this, being a big fan of yours, you are still legendary at the Chadsford Tavern. After many, many years, people will say, you know, Thurgood used to play here. Yeah, we did. I played there I played there on uh, the actually the Chatsford Tavern used to pay my rent. Really? I'll tell you how. I would go there and play like on a Monday night and you, they only paid you like twenty dollars to play there, whether you're a band or whether but you would pass the hat. And uh -huh. you could make Sometimes two two hundred dollars even more. So that's how you they paid you twenty, but you were right to pass the hat. How many people would pay the bucks? And once a month they let me come in and play a Monday as a solo act. Right. And I'd get the 50, I'd get the 20, pass the hat, they'd give me 50, and my rent was 60 bucks a month. So the Chad's Fort Tavern literally paid my rent 
How long did you do that for? A, a long time. Yeah. Yeah, a while. Yeah. And that was the... That was be- a great artist, uh, artist colony. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, there really was that there. Mm-hmm. But also, it also served as that thing of you can get out. So everybody could look and go, well, George got a record deal. He's making things happen for himself. Uh, and then, you know, move upon that. But you played acoustically back then, right? I, I did both. Yeah. I did both. I, I, I played acoustic... On occasion, rare occasion, right. most, mostly with a band. But there's been a a, a long rumor that you were going to do that kind of acoustic album. You know that. You know anything's possible. Yeah. Uh, you know Mike and I have talked about that many times. Um, maybe somewhere down the road, I would like to get involved with something like that. But maybe do it instead of just straight rock and roll or blues, even like a little bit of an outlaw country thing, kind of a. I just, I just, what I would do is I would get a uh, a producer. Uh-huh. Uh, to uh, listen to all my material, mm-hmm. and who specializes in producing, you know, acoustic acts, and say I want to do this, and maybe have one or two things that are a little off the beaten trail, and mm-hmm. maybe record a couple of our standards with an right. acoustic guitar and some other things. I mean, everybody's done it. The um, one of the biggest things Eric Clapton's ever done is his right. unplug thing. So. Yeah, I, I would go about it the right way. I just wouldn't go in there and wing it and make it a real project. Well, I always thought that you had that kind of, you know, because people bring up the blues or rock and roll with you. But there was also a country and western feel to what you were doing. Mm-hmm. Probably western mm-hmm. more than country. Yeah, I was a huge Marty Robbins fan. Still yeah. am a huge Marty Robbins fan. But it's funny how we, well, certainly Nashville has mm-hmm. forgotten about the western arm mm-hmm. of country and western, you know? Yeah, I, I, I believe that. I think that... Uh, the the originators of the country thing, Hank Williams and, right. and Marty Robbins, Hank Snow and Johnny Cash and those people, they just moved to Nashville. Right. That's where they went. They moved there, so they built the industry up around that. But they were the they were the first of that time uh, to put quote unquote country music on the map. And now Nashville's a huge industry. Right. Now, of course, and it's it's about that. But it was those artists that really kind of they were all there. But they didn't change their sound at all. Hank Snow's still standing yeah. the same. So did Johnny Cash and all those people. And then when they made that the you know, country capital of the world, so to speak, mm-hmm. well, they just figured, hey, well, there, there was a lot of tourists coming through here, so they made the industry there. Well, for you two always being a rock and roll guy, there's still a thing where no one knows where to put you, though, don't you think? It's like you never were part of like that one scene. Like, where a lot of bands come out of one area Mm -hmm. or a genre of music, Mm -hmm. you've always seemed like pretty much uh, Lonesome George (laughs) after all these years, you know? Well, that's just a, you know, like a moniker I picked up along the way or whatever you call it. But the music of the Destroyers is rooted in American music. Right. You know, whether it be Hank Williams or whether it be Marty Robbins or John Lee Hooker. I look at all those people the same. Uh I I sit and listen to Hank Williams and enjoy him as much as I like Robert Johnson. So it's, uh, it's kind of an Americana thing. That our band has been about. Who did you get into first? Where did it all start for you? Probably all at the same time. Yeah. Pretty much it, it all, you know, like anybody else, I'm a kid, you're watching the Beatles, and you're watching the Stones, and, you know, all those people coming along, and as I started getting older, I, I started listening to everything, because everything turned me on. I'd be listening to a Ray Charles record one day, and Hank Williams the next, and John Lee Hooker the next, and people were coming to me and saying, well, that's great that you have these, your taste is that broad, mm-hmm. but if you're going to get somewhere, you got to... Narrow it down to one thing. Find out something you can do. 
something you're about. It's nice to um, appreciate it all or want to do it all, but very few people can. Right. Ray Charles can. He can play just you know everything. He's proved that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I I would I said well, John Hooker and Bo Diddley slide guitar. You know people like Donahue here who I met when I was just getting started said that's if you got a ticket to wherever it is you're going that's it. Mm-hmm. You can appreciate Hank Williams all you want and Marty Robbins all you want, but for for George Thorogood to get whatever where it is you need to be, this is this is the sound you got to go for. This this is the stuff that comes a little more natural to me playing. Yeah, you know who wouldn't want to sing like Marty Robbins? Right. Who wouldn't want to write like Hank Williams? But how many people can? So I became a realist along the way and said, well, I can play John the Hooker and Bo Diddley like nobody's business, as good as they do. Mm-hmm. So that's what we went for. Did you feel that early on, too? Did you feel that connection? Yes. With right, the guitar? Right, almost immediately. It was yeah. All that stuff, the, the Elmore James slide, the, the Robert Johnson stuff, the Hooker stuff. Uh, I, I took that stuff like a duck to water. It happened so fast, it scared me. Mm-hmm. I said, I it, it's been in me all this time, and I didn't know it. You know, isn't that the strangest thing? Because you just didn't have the instrument. You started yeah. to even play a little bit late. Right? Exactly. I didn't play the guitar at all. Mm. I mean, I just fiddled with it. You know, I I think I knew how to play "Blowing in the Wind" on it or something. You know, mm-hmm. and then I picked it up one day and I was really doing it. And people, friends around, came and said, "Hey, man, you can really do that." I go, "I can." <laughs> they go, "Yeah, you should stay with it. Stay with it because you you got something going with that thing." How long, man, before you uh, started to fool with it? Do you thought to yourself, "I can really end up doing this. This could be my profession." For, I pretty much when I was about fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. I, I said, "This is what how I'm going to make my mark." And when I was about eighteen, nineteen, I took some time off. And was viewing what was happening in the world. And what was happening was the most monster rock of all time. Tommy was happening. Pinball Mm -hmm. Wizard was happening. Electric Ladyland was happening. Um, uh, The... um the thing that the Beatles did, um, Sergeant Pepper's mm-hmm. was huge, Beggar's Banquet. I said, Rock is just evolving like you just wouldn't believe. I mean, that was that was the time. Right. And Zeppelin hit, and Hendrix was on top of it. And I said, Whoo, slow down a little bit. That's when I backed off and said, Well, what are you going to do? And I go, Well, I'll do John Lee Hooker. I'll yeah. do Bo Diddley. I'll do this slide thing and see where that takes me. Then I'll open for Eric Clapton. I'll <laughs> open for Jeff Beck. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I'll be that guy. If you can't be Willie Mays, it's still okay to be Bobby Richardson. Absolutely. You're still in the lineup. Yeah, right. You can still play. <laughs> yeah. But see, the interesting thing is those guys had the same influences as you. Mm-hmm. Rather than you and go, okay, I'm going to start where Hendrix, you yeah. went backwards and say, where did Hendrix? But you got to understand, start? they said, because that's all there was. Uh-huh. There were no other references. Yeah. It's like someone saying... Well, my references, like a comic will say, well, mine was Jack Benny and Phil Silvers and Jonathan Winters and people like that. Well, yeah, because Stein- Seinfeld wasn't here yet. Yeah. And Robin Williams wasn't here yet. And neither was Sinbad. So, of course, everybody had the same you right. know, references because that's all there was. Yeah. You've always been good, and actually the English guys are good about this too, about saying what their influences are. I've mm-hmm. always noticed that, that even from the stage that you would say, check out this guy, check out mm-hmm. that guy. Because a lot of guys that come in, when you're kids and you're hearing that, that song, you're hearing it for the first time mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. You had no idea, uh, because radio would stop playing. Mm-hmm. Some of those guys. So it's always interesting to me to how many of those people got turned on by you and Keith Richards and 
people that mm-hmm. are willing to, you know, spread the word. Well, they all did that. You know, that's where uh, that's a misconception that I was the only one did that. That's mm-hmm. not true. Uh, I read interviews by uh, George Harrison, the way he talked about Carl Perkins, yeah. the way John Lennon talked about Chuck Berry, and certainly how the Stones talked about American blues. They were fanatics about it. Um, Eric Clapton, Robert Johnson. I mean, they all made reference to the people that they drew from. Mm-hmm. And I was no different than that. Um, but there's a there's a love with those English boys. They love that American music. Those English kids that came over in that... Uh, uh, well, it's you know, probably the, the only thing about America that they <laughs> that was appealing to them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not, well, one thing we've been able to pull off is entertainment business. You know, we've done pretty good with movies, and we've done pretty good with our music. Mm-hmm. That's gone all around the world. I mean, do you go anywhere in the world and people don't know this music? Uh, my music, or yeah. George Thorgood in particular. Yeah. Well, I generally have to say the name of the song. Mm-hmm. If I say my name, they go. Well, but if you say the song, they go. Oh yeah, yeah, I know, I know who you are now. Right. You know. So, which is true with most people. I mean, if somebody might come up and say, "I'm, um, I'm Roy Scheider," and they go, "Yeah," and then you go, "Jaws," and they go, "Oh yeah, you were that <laughs> yeah, guy. You, you the guy gotcha. shot the fish, right? You <laughs> got him, right? Yeah. yeah." See what I'm saying? That, that's typical of everybody. Your, your work is bigger than you are. Mm-hmm. But you've toured everywhere. I mean, is there any place left for you to go? There's that, a few places. I'll, I've yeah. never been to South America. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I, we're going to go to uh, Spain for the first time this year, That's which great. I've never been to. Um, By the way, in South America, who knows? Maybe you're big like Rodriguez. You never know after all these years. Have you seen that documentary yes. yet? Yeah. Isn't that an amazing story? Yeah. He was in here not too long ago. How'd that go? He's one of the sweetest mm. guys that you'd ever want to meet in mm-hmm. your life. And this whole thing has blown up for him mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. I think he's doing a couple Radio City shows. Yeah, uh, he was doing a House of Blues, too. He he, uh, he went back to South Africa and, and packed them out. Yeah. He packed them out, and they flipped over him. And then I guess he must have picked up an agent or somebody along the line. It's starting to, you know, book him. And I was noticing he was doing some House of Blues things and, uh, you know, getting, getting it rolling. Well, that's the thing about music, is you just really never know. No, you don't. And it is still somewhat mystical. Look at the doors in the 80s. I remember when they yeah. caught on to the college kids, and I asked some people uh, that were with Electra Asylum and and said, well, what did you do? All of a sudden put a big push in the door? I said, no. It was just some college kids found this music that they just freaked on, and they're on the radio constantly yeah. now. They just rediscovered them, you know, and um, it wasn't any kind of a... Um, your project mm-hmm. to get the doors rolling again. So that could happen to anybody at any given time, you know? And it does. I mean, occasionally it does. And what's weird is, even though that happened in the 80s, I got college kids now that come in here and intern, and it's still about the doors for mm-hmm. them, you know? There's almost certain bands that there's a certain age that they kind of grip onto them. Like, there's something about it. I guess in the same way that you read Hemingway mm-hmm. at a certain age, there's certain rock and roll bands. But look at the the strangeness of Robert Johnson's story. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy that should have been, in many yeah. ways, forgotten about. Yeah, he was. He lay dormant for a long time. And then John Hammond uh, had acetate of, of Robert Johnson music, and he played it for Bob Dylan. So it's like Bob Dylan was the first guy to hear it since the 30s, and he flipped out. Mm-hmm. And says, "My God, anybody who has heard Robert Johnson for the first time, it's like, it's like nothing you ever heard. It's and it just, it just snowballed from there. Yeah, it was, and it wasn't just great rock guitarists who said, you know, I want to play like that or do that. Um, 
everybody was listening to. And to this day, we still listen and go, those two albums. It's like, it's almost like he didn't need to make any more music after that. Yeah. That's how complete it is. Yeah. And there isn't that many songs, right? I mean, every song has been covered now, I guess. I would think so by yeah. now. Just about everything that Robert Johnson's ever touched has been touched by somebody. And what is it about some people that can just... I mean, Dylan had a period like that as well. Of course, if you look back at the at the time at the Beatles, the short time that they were together, the amount mm -hmm. of stuff that they wrote... Yeah. Uh, it it almost gets outside of what you can actually explain anymore. I think the most mind-boggling phenomena of all music is Hank Williams. Hank Williams really didn't get into a studio until he was about 22 or 23. He was always hustling his songs mm -hmm. to other artists. And when they said, well, you're going to start doing your own stuff. Now, this man passed away at the age of 29. And he started at 22, 23. So he only had seven years. He recorded about 300 songs. Yeah. All originals, all of them brilliant, perfectly played. And he was touring constantly. I said the amount of time he put in in those seven years was like 40 years that the rest of the world right. did. The, amount of, the, the work that that guy did. He must have had a guitar in his hands 24 hours a day. And how the hell does that happen, though? How does so much come to one person? I There are people who are... Clever, like I am. Mm -hmm. There are people who are very clever. And then there's people like Mick Jagger, who's a genius at being very clever. Yeah. And then you got somebody like Beethoven or Hank Williams, who is a genius. That's all you can sum it up to. Only a genius could do what Hank Williams did, whether he knew he was one or not. Because that, that music is flawless. I mean, even the recordings, the songs, no two of them are alike. Um, the the the, the, the the, the fiddle solo is in the perfect spot. The guitar solo is in the perfect spot. Um, the songs are always in the right key. The arrangements are always perfectly played. Just like Robert Johnson. Mm -hmm. Just like... And the Beatles. Right. You know, there's like only three acts I can name. And sometimes you listen to something and say, well, I don't really like... That doesn't sound too good. Or they didn't record that so, so hot. But Hank Williams isn't one of those people. I mean, he must have been some kind of perfectionist. Either that or whatever is that outside thing that touches you mm -hmm. just comes down at yeah. that moment mm -hmm. and is a kind of laying in hands. Because mm -hmm. I've seen stuff, uh, there was a Scorsese documentary where he was showing Dylan, and Dylan is like typing songs mm -hmm. on a typewriter, mm -hmm. just sitting there at a party with other people and typing shit out. Mm -hmm. And you're like, that isn't supposed to happen. Well, it is know? actually in a way because not only is is Bob a, a very good typist, mm -hmm. but people don't know is Bob's uh, original instrument was the piano. Right. He was a piano player first before he started monkeying around with the guitar. And if you watch his show now, he actually plays more piano than he does guitar. So probably the typewriter felt natural to him. Isn't you know, he's using the keys, right. both hands and the fingers, tick, 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 tick. Because he's, he's a pianist. You still feel the same way about music as when you were a kid? I mean, you can still get the same buzz from your music, other people's music. I think when you, the older you get, whatever you were into just becomes even deeper. Uh -huh. If you're in, in, in love with, uh, you know, uh, Ernie Kovacs or Soupy Sales when you were a kid, it's even more so now. You become more of what you've always been. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure, I'm sure Eric Clapton is just as passionate about Robert Johnson as he ever was. Maybe even more so. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Because the things you like as you grow, your passion for those things grow. And when you have that passion, I also think it keeps you young. I mean, some of the people that come here, Taj Mahal looks to me like a kid still. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he still gives off that kind of glow. And I think it's because he's connected. Also, Taj is a guy who's always 
finding new music. Taj Mahal is like a Ray Charles. He can right. play any form of music. He can play anything. He can play any instrument. Mm -hmm. He plays every kind of music known to, to the human being, and he excels at it. So I can see, well, that would keep him fresh. That would keep him, right. him going. And, uh, you know, I could see Taj doing a, a whole... Uh, in, a whole album on a, on a kazoo, <laughs> or, or, or you know what I'm saying, on one of those, you know, in one of those yeah. instruments, because he's that talented and he's that interested in so many different things. So I can see why that would keep keep him young, keep him going. You still get the same buzz about being out on the road though as you did when you were younger. Well, more than ever, because yeah. now we got more songs, we got better places we play, um, the combinations are better, uh, and. I'm I'm not auditioning anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, like for years, you're like, I'm doing this, get another gig, get another gig. And now people say, you got the gig. You got Relax it. and enjoy what it is you're doing. You know, you've, you've, you've locked in. Not that we're getting complacent. Right. No, that's not what I mean. I mean, you know, the, the passion of doing it is bigger than ever because it's like, Take your time, George. Relax. Right. Everybody digs you. Everybody knows you're... Bob Dylan came up to you and went, ba 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 bad. Jeff right. Beck came to see a play. Now, how much farther along <laughs> do you think you know you're known now? <laughs> right. I mean, all that stuff would have been ridiculous when you were starting out to think. Did oh you, yeah, absolutely. You let yourself fantasize. Yeah, that. Of course, we all do. Right. Well, well, you know, it's it's like um, uh, Carlton Fisk stepped up to the plate in Yankee Stadium. He was about three quarters in his career, and he stepped out and called time, and he just looked around. And they said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm batting in Yankee Stadium. Right. See what I mean? It, 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 he would have never dreamed that as a 10-year-old. I'm going to be, you know, playing ball in Yankee Stadium. Of course, he played for the Red Sox. That's beside the point. Mm -hmm. The point is, he was, you know, in, in that mindset when he was a kid. And to actually pull it off, yeah. it was pretty cool, I thought. Well, I always think when you're a kid, there's only two daydreams when you're in the backyard. You're either winning the series for the Yankees or you're beating the Yankees in yes. the series, right? right. I pitched, I yes. Actually, I pitched a no-hitter in my, my bedroom against the Yankees <laughs> when I was when I was 13. I, I got Marison Mayo to strike out. The we all did that. Yeah, through right. the ball against the pillow. And, you know what and I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's true. You're yeah. either beating that team, and when people get mad, they want the Yankees. Like, no, man, I want to see the Yankees up there. Mm -hmm. and Yankees are great for baseball. Yeah, they're, they're great, great for baseball. For baseball. Ask, um, ask the the Diamondbacks, mm -hmm. the Marlins, Thomas Orta, um Hank Aaron. They all have World Series rings. But it doesn't mean as much until you beat the Yankees. Yeah, when you beat you the win Yankees, the Yankees yeah. in the World Series, Bill Mazeroski, that's the you know it's yeah. like one thing to win the World Series. It's another thing. Well, I won the Academy Award. Who else was up for the award? <laughs> Richard Burton and Marlon Brando. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's when it means something. You beat the Yankees. And when you lose to the Yankees, well, hey, hey it was the Yankees. You're, you're you're in a no lose situation. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you're a Mets fan though, mm -hmm. and for somehow a guy who lives in Delaware, jumps over the Phillies, and picks the New York Mets. How did that ever happen? You know, when I was, I, I, I locked into the, into the Mets in the 60s, and I figured it this way. If you, if you go with a loser, you always get a good seat at the park. Mm -hmm. That's true. <laughs> you don't have to stand in line. Right. You get a good seat. I, I'm the kind of person who goes to the ball game. I'm not really concerned over who wins or loses. I'm just, I like 
going to the park. Right. I just like being at the baseball stadium. And the way things have gotten win at all costs type of things as things have changed because of the, the big money that's involved in this business. Um, you know, people say, oh, if the Yankees finish four games over 500, it's a terrible year. If yeah. the Mets finish 500, it's a great year. Right. So <laughs> that's my team. Well, a lot of sports radio has taken us out there and replay. ESPN has done it. But you are right. If you're spending a day at the ballpark, it's like spending the day fishing. Yeah, Whatever. Exactly. You're you don't even do catch any fish. Yeah, you're out with your friends. You're at the ball you're game. You're having a great thing. And the great thing about baseball is, hey, you got tomorrow's game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, we got stomped and today. And something always happens in the game yeah. that you've never seen. Uh, uh, nobody can come out and throw a no-hitter. Right. A guy you've never heard of could hit four home runs. And then there's in-between innings. There's a stranger sitting next to you. And you get into a pleasant conversation like, who was better, Frank Robinson or, or, or Henry Aaron? Yeah. yeah. And you're not getting mad. You're, 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 you're uh, exchanging. You know, yeah. And there's that exchange in that game that you probably can't feel in hockey or other sports because it can move so fast. It moves so fast. Exactly. There's a little break after each inning. Did you ever notice about baseball that this, I don't know who designed this game, but it's the absolute perfect amount of time when, they, when it's the third out and you get up and you go to the men's room and you come back just as the next pitch is being thrown. How did they time that? <laughs> I don't know, hey, it's, but it's, you're it's, right. Think about that. It's, a, it's, it's unbelievable. It's a leisurely piss. But somebody set it up just right yeah. that there's just enough time to do that. Well, everything about the game works that way, that if you hit the ball to the shortstop and he makes the throw, you're out by a step, but if he just bobbles it mm -hmm. a little bit, mm -hmm. boom. Yeah, and that could open up the whole thing. Yeah, and that changes yeah. everything. That's why I tell him, hit the ball on the ground. you got six different ways you can get on base. Yeah. What was the first Major League Park that you went to? Uh, Connie Mack Stadium. It's an amazing mm -hmm. place, right, mm -hmm. to go it in was. for your first time. Yeah. And it's so I saw Stan Musial play there. And later, Roberto Clemente. Wow. Yeah, that was pretty heavy. The uh, the thing about that stadium, and of course, they forgot it and tore it down and put mm -hmm. up, you know, a, a concrete shit house after that. But the weirdness of being a little kid going into that stadium and not understand, you know, look like a museum mm -hmm. outside. Mm -hmm. And then once you got in, mm -hmm. the, it's green. Mm -hmm. It was, it, I, I have the image of that in my mind for the rest of my life. Also, what they, I don't know if they did this intentionally, but I think where Philadelphia might have missed the point was that's the ballpark where Ted Williams hit 400. Right. That's the ballpark where Babe Ruth played his last game. He was, he was playing in the National League at the time with Boston, and they're supposedly playing the Phillies, and he played his last game there. Now, Willie Mays played his first game there, and I said, and you just let this place... Right. You, you, how can you do that? How can you just let it go? Well, that's the history. Babe Ruth's last game, Willie Mays' first game. Come on, yeah. What more? <laughs> well, because you had some blind spots in the stadium, you know. Yeah, but those are those those um, high points outweigh outweigh the other things. I agree, hundred percent. You know. uh, and and again, I'll take that back to your mu your music. You've always had a sense of history about that kind mm. of thing. You've always got that type of thing and it's why you can find the right song mm -hmm. to bring back well we were we went to chess studios we recently put out a, a project called 2127 michigan avenue on capitol that was a, a, a tribute to chess and they wanted us to go down there and do an in-store uh, like an in-store thing to go down there you know sign autographs mm -hmm. sign a thing and willie dixon's widow was there and we went 
and I was really tired. I, I'm not much of a daytime person, but you know, I have to get up and do my promos and things like that. So we went down there, and a producer of our record, Tom Hambridge, was there. And I went, and I was there, and I was like, oh, I got to go. And Jim Hutt, who's with us today, said, you should play a song here. And I said, I can't. I'm just too tired. He goes, George, this could be it. Well, you could get hit by a truck tomorrow, whatever. you got to play a song at chess. And I'm like, right. you're right. If I mean, if I was, if you were thrown out the Wrigley Field, you'd run the bases. You'd point mm. to the stands like the babe did. Yeah. You got this moment. Seize it. And I didn't. And then um, Siller and I played a song, Bo Diddley. By Bo Diddley. Yeah. Uh, it was all I had in me to play one song. And that's the one we played. And I'm so glad I did it because I can say I played it, Jess. Right. And even one song. So what? I played there. <laughs> yeah. You never take that from me. No. That, and that would have been the thing of imagine if you were a kid and someone said, you're going to go through all kinds of chess, but one day yeah. you'll get to play a chess. You would have said, sign me up. Yeah. I don't care what else happens. I mean, I, I, a hurricane could come along and blow it off the map tomorrow. Yeah. And I had my chance and I didn't take it. It's amazing how space has forgotten it. There are places in this city where, you know, Ray Charles was up on 56th Street and doing the Atlantic Records there and stuff. Not even a plaque. People walk by wow. it every day and don't know wow. that that room is where it all happened at, yeah. you know? Yeah. And these things are Oddly important, I think. You know, I was shocked at the amount of people in Chicago who weren't aware of 2120 South Michigan Avenue, uh, what it meant, chess records. And I was there for the first time in 81, and it was all boarded up. You know, like they, it was all pawn shops and things like that. And the area was kind of down at its heels at the time. And they had those those gates you have in New York when they, they have all the jewelry stores yeah. and they lock them up. Like, well, it would have been gated off like that. And I was talking to many people I could and said, do you know what this is? This is... This is Chess Records, and nobody did. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Have you ever heard of the Beatles? Without Chuck Berry, where would the Rolling Stones be? Mm -hmm. Would there have been a Rolling Stones? Would there have been? And, and I said, this lick got recorded there. Johnny B. Good lick. Mm -hmm. It's hard to imagine a time in our life when that lick did not exist. Think right. about it. It's like saying there was a time when TV didn't exist. It's like, it's, it's, we can't even think of it. And I said, it was recorded here. This was the link. The blues came up from Mississippi Delta, Sonny Boy, Muddy Waters, Howling Wolf. They all played there. And then Bo Diddley and Chuck Berry stepped in, and they turned the whole world onto it with that lick. And it was recorded right here. Now, you got to do something about this. Sure, man. This is, this, is, this is not just a music phenomenon. This is world history. Because rock and roll changed the world. Sure. It changed the world. And Chuck Berry was probably the most instrumental guy for changing that. He took the blues and revved it up and got it on bandstand. He got it in there. And then, you know, the John Lennons and the Mick Jaggers and the people like that, who were our idols, mm -hmm. you know, were saying... Have you heard that music, man? Is this man from Chicago? His name's Chuck Berry. You gotta hear this stuff, you know. And I said, "Well, yeah." The, the, the Chuck Berry conquered the world. The Beatles conquered the universe. Mm -hmm. But they had to start somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? They had yeah. to start. Something must have sparked them from day one, and that was it. So, what do you think? Americans just don't pay attention or we forget we got a lot on our mind i mean why don't we cherish some of this stuff better you know it's well I, I, it's hard to tell people you know there's more to it than having long hair and playing loud and getting a lot of women or a lot of men crazy about you mm -hmm. there, there's something more to it than that 
you know, and music started to come out and it changed in the mid seventies or all. And people wanted to play like Led Zeppelin. I said, but, but you don't know who Robert Johnson is, right? How in the world can you, they said, well, I want to be just like the Rolling Stones. I go, but you don't know anything about Bo Diddley. You don't know anything about Howling Wolf. How can you make that connection? So they weren't making that connection. They were just making the image yeah. of the rock bands of that time. And I said, well, that's just too bad. Cause to me, it kind of ended with Jake Isles. They were like, them and ZZ Top had those, yeah. they were connected to those times and that music. And that's why Peter Wolf and Billy F. Gibbons and I, we, the three of us get along pretty good. Well, same school. Yeah. But, you know, the the 1970s, especially Jay Giles live shows, mm -hmm. were about as close to church as you could get. I mean, people would leave there feeling transformed. You Jay know? Giles played, I uh, came out of the, uh, the, the, I came out of the ballpark, Veterans Stadium. And mm -hmm. There was a ball game there. I came out, and there was a show across the street of JFK. Closing the show was Peter Frampton. Playing before that was Fleetwood Mac. Before that was Ted Nugent. Before that was Leonard Skinner. The opening band was Jay Giles, of all those five acts. Mm -hmm. This is when Peter Frampton was the world. Yeah. And he was a big-time act. We come out, and all 100,000 people are leaving JFK, and they're all going, Jay Giles! <laughs> Jay Giles! They played yeah. five hours earlier! <laughs> yeah. I, fi I, got, I finally got a chance to meet Bruce Hornsby. Wonderful man. We're at a restaurant, and we're sitting there talking, and uh, Bruce, is, Bruce is, a, is a great, great talker. He's a great conversationalist. And we're sitting there talking about music, and this, that, and the other, and I don't know where I just go, Hey, uh, Bruce, uh, are, you, are you hit the Jay Giles band? He puts down his fork and he goes, his voice drops and he goes, oh man, they were the business. <laughs> Jay Giles' man played, everybody backed up. It's true. <laughs> they man. all backed it's up. It's true. Forget it. And I think they were the best live albums I've ever. I mean, probably the only way to experience them is going through the live albums yeah. more than the studio albums. Yeah. When, when I went to see them at, at the Philadelphia Air Conditioning Spectrum in 75 and 78, the people went to see the Jay Giles' band only had Jay Giles' records. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a cult following. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I thought they were local for a while because uh, any party I've ever been to in my life, they were playing Jay Giles records yeah. anywhere house when party. I was growing up. Yeah, house party was, if you didn't have it, we we're probably going to end up leaving. You yes, know what I mean? Right. It's going to be done. Uh, and then you got to tour with those guys and the Stones, which uh phenomenal for you, mm -hmm. I'm guessing, at that point. I was at that point when I said, you're, you're working with Peter Wolf and Mick Jagger, who won... Um, reviewer wrote about our live show and they knew how much I was into Howling Wolf and how I was into Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley and Johnny Roots music so to speak and this person did it said George Thurgood is on the stage and he's got that live act that thing like Peter Wolf or Mick Jagger and in parentheses they wrote who are really his heroes <laughs> she was right yeah she was right so when I got touring with Wolf and and the Stones doing that when that thing was gonna come to wind down to an end I was going to walk away from it. You're going to be I done. Was, I was going to be. I said, "There's no place for me to go." I have been in the lineup with Willie Mays and Hank Aaron. I've done it. Mm -hmm. I'm with Wolf and Jagger. There's no place for me to go. But then I got offered a contract with a big record label. So I said, "Well, George, you know, you get the brass ring once in a lifetime. Very few people get get it twice. And plus, Giles was with EMI. So, <laughs> yeah. I said, "Yay, hey, great." But I was that spot in my life, you know, I was that content to say, no, there's no reason for me to do it anymore. You know, yeah. not even money, not anything. Like I said, I got more out of it than I could ever dream of, you know.
Well, that was the beauty of that tour for you, I thought, too, is that no one said, hey, he doesn't belong there. I mean, you'd only been a couple years mm -hmm. out at the time. I've been pushing for that gig yeah. for years. Is that right? Yes, I had, and I just fell on deaf ears. Yeah. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. You don't have us open for Peter Wolf? What are you thinking about? We're from the same... Yeah. I said, Mick Jagger, George Thurgood, and the Rolling Stones, I mean... Right on, Josephine. Hey, Mona, come on. What, what's the matter with you people? I didn't realize they hire you because, you know, what your draw would be yeah. or, you know, how many people you can bring there. I was looking at it from a whole different angle, that it was a, it was a, a harmonious connection mm -hmm. of, all, of all three bands. And I went, finally went to our booking agent. I said, you're not going to book another date until you hound Bill Graham to the bowels <laughs> of the other side of the earth to get me one gig with those guys. Just one, because I'm tired of these disco bands opening for them. Yeah. I'm tired of these acts going in who don't even know who Slim Harpo is, who doesn't have never played a Jimmy Reed lick in their life. I'll do it for nothing. One gig is all I'm asking. And from that one, many more came. Right. Because Graham picked up that that was my attitude. And here's a kid that wants to work with the Stones. I mean, we got this movie. It's a really great book, and it's a bestseller. And there's a bunch of these guys, and Marlon Brando wants to play the lead. And all of a sudden, hi, I'm Robert Duvall. I'll be in the movie. <laughs> hi, I'm Al Pacino. I'll be in the movie. <laughs> hi, I'm James right. Conn. I'll be in. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Because that's that's the you thing. You're the Godfather. You're gonna. Everybody's gonna go for exactly. it. Exactly. I said the, the price means nothing to me. You want to pay me my expenses, whatever. But this is what I've been honing for since I was 15. I've been working to get to this spot right here. This is my World Series. I love that story, man. I love that passion you know and the fact that here you are all these years later and it seems like you're still telling it with the same excitement as if it happened last summer i went la i just talked to wolf on the phone on his birthday two weeks ago wow yeah i get him on the phone and guess what we talked about well, I did little talking. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> it was more than a one-sided conversation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he immediately gets on the phone, and I go, uh, I, I said something. I said, all right, the gator with the heater, the boss with the sauce, mm -hmm. making leaves, freezing, liver clearing, your back mm -hmm. crack. And he goes, and he goes, put the, put, the money, he goes, put the gas in the tank, take the money to the bank, and he's zip right, right <laughs> into it, man. He's Peter Wolf all the time. Yeah, <laughs> and ready to be. By the way, he's still... Uh, making great albums. Mm. There's still great albums. And I like that you dropped a little Jerry Blavitt on everybody. Oh, with yeah. the heater with the heater. Yeah, the big yeah. Boss yeah Jerry. Well, that's a, that's a Philadelphia mainstay. You yeah, know, that sure. was part of my background when I was a kid, the Geeter. You know, and um, he would bring on, you know, Dick Clark, the Geeter, uh, Wee Willie Weber. Mm -hmm. I mean, all those people were, were my background. You know, yeah. and my introduction to a lot of music was through the Geeter yeah. and through Dick Clark. When American Bandstand came out of Philadelphia, so that was you know that was a natural thing. Uh, by the way, I had Gene London on this show one day. It was just amazing. Uh, he still looks. I, yeah, I was it the seems one. like Gene London. Yeah. It's, was Pick Sand with him? No, I wish. <laughs> Pick Sand, Sally Star. We just left her. Our gal Sal. Our gal Popeye Sal. Popeye Theater. Yeah, she just died not too long ago. Too bad. Ah, uh, yeah, she was great. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it's so good to have you in here. GeorgeTherogood.com to keep up. You. You know, we're sitting around and talking about the Giles Band and how that's real rock and roll, but I feel the exact same way Thank you. about you. And I tell Thank any you. young people out there that if you really want to be at a rock and roll show and know what it's like, it's got to be Thurgood. Thank you. That stuff where people don't even know it, but they're dancing on the tables. <laughs> that's the feeling that you're looking for. Uh, thanks so much for stopping in. You're welcome. And uh, Rock and roll never sleeps. It just passes out. I'll see you next time coming okay, through. Okay, baby.
enjoying the Ron and Fez show on Sirius XM's OB and Anthony channel. More in moments. Yeah. I call the street for a next time. A brand new house along the roadside. It's a made of rustic hide. Got a brand new chin that baby built on top, and it's a made out of human skull. Come on, take a little walk with me, baby, and tell me who do you love? Who do you love? Now, around the town, he's about to say goodbye. Take it easy, baby, don't you give me no lip. Who do you love? Graveyard mine, I'm just gonna do what I don't mind dying. Who do you love? Yeah, who do you love? Ah, oh, who do you love? It's not a face show. George Thurgood, artist of the day. Baseball and rock and roll. Not a lot else to talk about, is there in life? Baseball and rock and roll. Nothing else that matters. You can count on both every summer. I understand that the March Madness runs up against uh, opening day, too. Some pissed off people on both sides. Uh, Dutch, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey, buddies. How you guys? Good, man. Hey, I got to tell you, I saw George on Saturday night at the Capitol Theater in Port Chester. Mm-hmm. And, and his whole riff on uh, baseball just totally summed up the way he played. I and mean, he was just so happy to be there. Yeah. You know, it was just so relaxed and so chill, but just, you know, it's great. You're, just, you're hanging out and going, man, where else would you rather be right now? He's just brilliant. He's uh, he's taking the thing around with it. We got to give him all the credit in the world for that. But we were talking about this guy who was set out to be happy enough to be in a bar band, and is a draw. All these years later. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Like it just, it, you know, it, it's it's not a question of it getting old. It's just it, it just adds more flavor to it. You know, it's like a stew that's been going for a few days that just keeps building out. Really. Uh, Rob Cross and I were talking about this. When we were saying the older George gets, the bigger of a draw he's going to get because he's going to have that muddy waters thing for, you know, for a whole generation of kids. But you are right. If you show up at work and you have passion and you want to be there and you love it, uh, people pick up on it. Uh, if you're one of those guys that acts like, uh, here I go again, people are going to pick up on that, too. Craig, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, Ryan, I just wanted to say, what an amazing interview that was and how you guys jumped back and forth between baseball and, and rock and roll. I mean, it was just unbelievable. I saw him in Rochester uh, a couple years ago at this festival, and everyone's just walking around drinking a beer, and he hit that first chord, and everyone's head turned. I mean, it was it was an amazing, amazing experience. That's cool. I'm glad he's still doing it. All right, thanks, Ben. Not a bad way to spend the summer either. You're going out and doing a lot of those open air places, going to see uh, ball games all over the country. Chris, I want you to do one of those road trips where you see one stadium on the trip. 
Okay. He did uh, my favorite tour of all time is the George Thurgood uh, tour, 50 dates, 50 states. That's badass. I just wonder why people don't pull off more stuff like that. Well, the, the White Stripes did that thing where they played every Providence. Yeah, in Canada. Yeah, and it's like really great because it's weird and it's like far away from the regular kind of professional tour. Uh, and it's just uh, a, a chance to shake it up a little bit. Elvis Costello also did that great tour where he had that wheel and he would spin it and then whatever it landed on, that's the song they would go into. It was very, very exciting. Oh, hell yeah. I've... And people would yell out like they were gambling. <laughs> My aim is true! Come on! Yeah, that's a giant wheel. It's fucking sick. Um, here's Dan. Uh, you're on the Run Fez show. Is that me? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. It's my first time on. Yeah, I saw George Thurgood at the Keswick last night, or last week in Philadelphia. How was it? Awesome show. Awesome show. I recommend anybody go see it. It's a really interesting thing because, uh, and I was bringing this up, and he and I were just sitting around talking about the Jay Giles band. And you know what I love about that is, like, George was talking about them like a fan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a fucking, like, he remembers that show in his head and he's like oh that was the shit not acting like oh i want to compete with it or what can we do you know what i mean just like that was the shit really those cool. guys well, have, you, have you ever been to the keswick before no i've never been there keswick is, a, is kind of a smaller theater so everybody there was was a little bit of an older crowd and they're all fans mm -hmm. so i mean it was it was a lot of fun we were actually i was in the pit and uh i couldn't hear for the whole next day it was loud. Oh, he plays loud as shit, man. He plays loud. Uh, that is true. I've, uh, well, you know, I I lost, I got my hearing bashed a couple times besides just doing radio all these years. But one, of course, was Metallica, which I was so fucking pissed at myself. And um, then the other thing uh, was a bar band and fucking South Jersey one night and they fucking I, I went to go to sleep that night and uh, my ears were like I just heard like this huge sound and I'm like oh this this is, can't be good that sucks I mean all night long I'm just hearing this ringing in the ears like somebody shot a cannon off next to me um, alright so it is the Ron and Fez show we got G-Baby coming in just a little bit but you know what is the great thing about a bar band is every once in a while you'll have one of those nights that is just the time of your life. That people who shouldn't be dancing are dancing. You know, maybe you're drinking a little more. Maybe you didn't even drink at all. But the whole thing just grabbed you. Somebody ends up kissing they should, somebody they shouldn't be kissing. That's now you remember forever. Yeah, and it's one of those nights where you like, I don't know how it happened. I don't know how everything just lined up perfectly. People you don't get along with, you fucking got your arm around. <laughs> and it's just a great, great night. And you like, there's got to be a mathematical equation. And I guarantee you, music plays into that equation. But you always, you almost become. Uh, tribal. You know what I mean? It almost becomes just this uh, really old school pagan 
thing that's just fantastic. You never know when it's going to happen. You, well, that's why people go to see fish shows, because yeah. every once in a while, that magic time happens. Yeah. You know, it doesn't happen every show. Same as that with the Grave of Dead. doesn't happen every show. I've never seen the... I've never once seen the Rolling Stones show that's in my mind. I have a perfect <laughs> show in my mind, and every time I get there, I'm like, ah, this isn't it. I'm sure other people have been there on that night, the one that they want to uh, do. Uh, but I've never been able to pull it off. John, Baltimore, you're on the Run of Fez show. You think you could take George? Billy, you're on the Run of Fez show. Billy. Yes. Yeah, what do you got? Well, I saw George Thorogood in about 1984 at the Stanley Theater in Utica, and plaster actually fell down out of the ceiling. It was so <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. Yeah, it... Then I just wanted to, the other thing I wanted to say, I saw Jay Giles' band last summer in Syracuse, and I'm telling you, I've never seen so many people just group up by the end of a show. How was it? Fantastic. They played for about two and a half solid hours and never stopped moving. It was uh, honestly the best live band I've ever seen. I feel like I've seen most people in my life, and I try to explain to people the Jay Giles' band. When they are on, and when they're cooking, and they're not fighting with each other, they're not, you know, suing each other, whatever broke them up, uh, it certainly doesn't have anything to do with those MTV videos. Uh, it really has to do with that R&B and soul and rock and roll stuff that they did. And I, I, I saw that band, the fucking old Spectrum in Philadelphia, which was not even a good place to see a show. It was a shitty old fucking hockey rink. And I saw them take that fucking thing, turn it on the side, and then spin it. And the whole thing was spinning. I was at a show one time with them when the whole fucking band jumped up in the air at the same time. And then the entire audience, like fucking 15,000 people, jumped up at the same time. And everyone just hung there. It was like Matrix time. Everyone just hung there and then fucking came back down again. Uh, Jesse in Canada, you're on the Run of Fest show. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to uh, say that uh, George Thorogood, he's a he's an awesome musician. I met him once up at uh, at the Cleveland House of Blues there. I uh, um, used to work for Danny Aykroyd, and it was uh, he was opening it there, and uh, it was pretty cool. It was him and Paul Schaefer was there, and I think Les Paul was there, and Marilyn Manson. But yeah, he's a hell of a guy. Um, you know, how's the blues thing? How's that doing now, too? Say that again? The House of Blues shows. Are they still booking a lot of acts like they used to? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a big bar and it's a nice venue. They're you know yeah. you know, you've probably been there. They're a nice setup. Um know. I haven't been in uh I haven't been in a House of Blues in a long, long time. Hey Gordon, you're on the run of Fest show. Gordon. Yes, sir. What do you got? Man, love love your show. Listen, I saw Thoroughgood at, at uh Indiana University back in like eighty, eighty one, three thousand seat auditorium. Blew the roof off the place. It was fantastic. Uh, several years before that, I uh, had a chance to go see Jay Giles' band down in uh, little old Evansville, Indiana, at a stadium that they couldn't fill, and they canceled the show. Crushing, crushing. And that was your, and that was the, that was your one chance, huh? Oh man, it just blew my mind because I'm a huge fan of Blow Your Face Out, Full House Live. There's nothing else to listen to for Jay Giles. Yeah, but, they're uh, they're fucking great live. Just great. Uh, Brian, you're on the Run of Fest show. 
Hey, Ron. Hey, Fez. Hey, Pepper. Um, so 30 years ago, I, I saw George Thurgood for the first time. It was at uh, Pensbury High School, you know, Bucks County, just outside of Philly. Sure. And um, it, 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 was, it was absolutely amazing. He was getting major airplay then. It was like 1982. He was still getting major airplay in the Philly area. And he was basically playing the equivalent of a high school gym. And it was – he played with just such – amazing passion and skill and then afterwards he just hung out with everyone answering questions and talking and he just could not have been he could not have been cooler it was amazing yeah he does the regular guy thing i mean he just gets it he gets it he's just uh i mean it's one thing in life everybody gets their breaks you work hard you get the lucky break but when you get it when you allow yourself to get it you know when you say to yourself hey this was pretty fucking cool I'm going to be appreciative of it. You can see that he gets it. Because we get a lot of guys in here who bitch about the music industry and how the albums don't pay off the way they used to, blah, blah, blah. And George is just out there doing one-nighters. He's just out playing, man. Just banging out a tour. Yeah. And he you seem pretty if, fucking happy. If you ha- you, you'd certainly have the feeling that if he never got a chance to play... You know, to do 16 albums like he ended up doing, he'd still be playing. There's some dudes that are like, I'm not going out for that kind of. He's playing, man. That's what he wants to do. And Um, people love him. Here's Ken in New Jersey. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Yeah. Great interview. Love George. The last time I saw him was at the Stone Balloon back in 1984. He, uh, He showed up. Nobody knew it. It was unannounced. He had an electric guitar a wireless guitar, showed up in the back of the bar and just started jamming. The lights came on and people went nuts. About uh, seven or eight songs into it, took a break, and I just happened to be in the bathroom and came up to the leak next to me, and that's my brush with greatness. Well, you know, uh, the Stone Balloon was one fucking crazy place, wasn't it? Oh, I loved it. That was... A, a college bar of college bar fucking proportions. They used to say they sold more kegs than any bar on the East Coast. <laughs> and, uh, I helped. Yeah. Pictures at a time. Yeah. Uh, and you would end up going out there like you'd have a great time in that place. You know, just seeing whatever. Like every night there would be some kind of live music. And then you would uh, leave there and fucking wring your socks out. Because there was beer on the fucking floor. And everybody's dancing around. Having a blast. I just... You know, I always feel for the fucking people who won't let it touch you. And you know what's really great, too? Is, like, a lot of the fucking great musicians will be like, I'm into all kinds of music. Like, when he was started to go off into different things, shit that he can't even play, he fucking digs in a big way. But you know you're like that musical snob when you're like, well, this stuff sucks and that guy can't. It's, it's so much fucking more interesting if you just open your fucking heart to it, you know? Don't spend your time on what you don't like. Then you know you're a dick. Um, this little piece is up in the iBank today. Guess who uh, resigned? That kid who wrote the racist stuff on his Twitter. He's the son of the... How many times we got to tell people, don't go out there tweeting shit under your real name? It's, it's, not, it's not going to... Um... It's not going to stop. People don't give a shit. Especially well, this pe- guy gives a shit today, and he embarrassed his dad, and he had to resign. Yes, Bloomberg be- says good that he resigned. And you know Bloomberg didn't know that fucking kid from Adam yesterday. No one did, besides the fucking father's friends. Usually you have to be a school shooter for your father to disavow you in the press. 
What do you mean by disavow? Like just kind of. Oh, his, ties or, his, you know, dad, his dad acted like I got nothing to do with this kid? His dad acted like, hey, he was raised better. Mm. We don't do that in my family. The fire department respects all people it's, of the city. There's, a thing, there's an old thing, never get in the way of the money. That's the one reason they will fucking fire you. Get in the way of the money. I don't care who you are. You can be fucking... Uh, Fucking Reggie Jackson, you can't fuck with the money. Doesn't matter who you are. This kid made his dad look like shit. Like everyone, every one of this kid's friends and family are going to be associated with whacked out racist tweets. Um, here's uh, no, it'll be forgotten about, and the kid won't have the fucking lucky job. Oh, he ain't working for the city. But what happened with people putting fake names up? It. I saw the little cigars and scotch joke in the middle of that post, and I'm telling you right now, I don't fucking appreciate it, because I cherish that man. If he had a tweet, I would send him one tweet right now, and it would simply say, rock on, cigars and scotch, rock on. People, uh... People get ready. People don't want to have fake names. Well, they're not allowed to on Twitter, are they? No. Are you allowed to go on as bubblegum shrimp? Somebody gonna have a fucking beef with you? Eventually, maybe if you say enough crazy shit, yeah. Because I see people on there who call, you know, they'll end up. But I guess the the thing that they worry about is that their friends can't find them. You know, it's like when you go on to the iBang, you're like, oh, I want to sit around and throw some jokes around with strangers. By the way, some of the shit that people were writing about the religious stuff yesterday, uh, it was very enjoyable reading. Most of the stuff I can't stand to read. It's just quick one fucking, you know, wordplay jokes. <laughs> but when people were actually the religious people on one side, the atheists on the other, kind of debating it out, and they were very uh, interesting. That's good to see. Because that could be a fucking crazy-ass argument. G-Baby is coming in here to talk about summer movies in just a uh, moment. Um... And you can go to the iBang to get in on the Brackets Challenge. Make sure you get signed up. You join the group. Click to join right there. And make sure your brackets are filled out by tip-off Thursday afternoon at 12.15. Shaquille O'Neal Ball on the line. And we, I think we have our youngest entry in the Brackets Challenge. Six-year-old Drew, his dad Mike emailed and said that his six-year-old son Drew is super hyped to enter the bracket contest. And it took hours to fill out his brackets. And I see Sammy, and I see Joey, and I see Glenda, and Tammy, and there's Bob. What did she used to call that on Rapper Room? The Magic Mirror or some shit. She never fucking saw me on there, though. That's what it was, Magic Mirror. Well, that's, uh, that's a new angle to the live reads, uh, reading out uh, kids' names. I love it. Um, here is... Uh, Chris in Delaware, you're on the Ron Fez show. Ronnie, what's going on? Hey. Hey, <clears throat> I don't know if you know this, but the Stone Balloon is now an, a wannabe upscale wine house. It's called the Stone Balloon Wine House. Yeah, I have no, I have no part of that. It's, it's embarrassing. I actually, uh, I live down here in Newark, and even, the, I'm a younger guy, and 
me and my friends, when we when we start getting rowdy, it's we always throw on thoroughbred. It's just like an institution down here. It's like the one good thing Delaware has. We we can't have parties without listening to just just blasting thoroughbred to the well, point of annoying our neighbors. You've got to uh, you know show your hometown pride there. I mean, who else throws around the Delaware name? You got him and that girl from Parks and Rec. Oh, and, uh, and, and then Miss Teen. And the girl who just had the porn. Yeah, I liked her. I liked Miss Teen <laughs> Delaware. She was great. I think her and Anthony had a run-in, though. She blocked them. Yeah, they had some Twitter interaction. Didn't last long. Did not last long. I don't know. She blocked them. Unfortunate. She, know, she doesn't know what she's doing. She's so young. Mm. I uh, Now other people writing in, there's somebody younger that they have on their thing. So we might have to read off another list, Fez. Um, here's uh, Alex in Dallas. You're on the run of Fez show. Hey, what's going on, buddies? Too bad Baby Love's not still around because she could have been the uh, the youngest to fill out a bracket if Baby Love was still around with Fezzy. Baby Love um, is acting now. What? Oh, yeah. nice. She's a professional actress. Guys, I'm, a, professional. Uh, I'm in the agent business, and we have uh, clients from baseball, football, and also golf. And you would be amazed at how often we have to counsel them at the very beginning now. We didn't have to do this just two years ago. We got to talk to guys about how to use social media, what's acceptable, what's not. And these guys just don't, especially in football, they don't understand the scope of how quickly what they're saying can go viral and get them in trouble. And, I, and, and really, I kind of think in professional football and some of the other sports, there's going to be an interesting battle between free speech and, and teams maybe limiting what their players can say during the season. Well, they all already limit it once they get in trouble. You know, once they get in trouble, you'll see somebody delete their Twitter. But you are right, the fact that they think they're just talking to their buddies, uh, buddy-wise. But now everybody out there is watching them so they can have the got-you moment so that they can put it up on their uh, on their site and get a bunch of hits from it themselves. It's not personal for them either. You know, they're like, this is fucking great. Well, everything gets screen capped, no matter how fast they delete it. Someone's yeah. screen capping their shit. Like, I'm sure there's Because you know all my screen cap will get famous. Yeah, because this is gone forever now. Yeah, we had a golfer who, who got in trouble for that very thing, and he had deleted it, and it, it showed up two weeks later, and he couldn't think. You know, he had no idea how it happened. And we had to, you, know, you really have to educate these guys on not only the fact that everything they say will live forever now with the way that uh, social media is run, but also that... What they say that may be a joke will not be construed as a joke by a lot of people because there's people that want them to fail. That's that's just what people want their athletes to do is fail, tear them down, so they can potentially be built back up. Uh, Absolutely right. Again. And it's it's good business for the media if they get to spend their time saying these overpaid blah blah. You know, everyone likes to hear that same fucking uh, story over and over and over and say you know. Oh, these overpaid athletes. In the meantime, you know what a school teacher pay. So that's an easy bet for any reporter or blogger to do. You know, we'll get everybody on the side. Everybody will just come in and act like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it sucks. Yeah, it makes too much money. And just the the hate that sports reporters have for athletes is phenomenal. <laughs> oh, it's it's sick. It's sick, guys. Thanks for keeping me staying right. on the road, man. I really appreciate it. All right, brother. Where's uh, G-Baby? It's right here. Oh, he is here? Come here. Because what time is he supposed to get here? 
12.45. Oh, he's running a little late. Gee, baby. Gee, baby's here. Where's his summer movies theme? Summer movies. Well, we yeah, don't do great. any of that. We don't do the production stuff. There he is, G-Baby. Jibby. All right, better late than never, brother. What's Jimmy's going on, guys? Here. How are you? It's been a long time since I saw you. I know. You come in with a pen and pencil. This time, yeah, you know, sometimes I just like to make a note or two just to make sure I don't forget things and have other things to say. You never know. You're aging up on me out there, I noticed. You were a baby when I met you. You're going to be uh, uh, G-Daddy in no time at all. Yeah, well, I mean, that's I mean, that's the big person lives. My girlfriend lives out there now with me. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Playing Shit. house. Playing house. Yeah, she moved out about three, four weeks ago. I better have a talk with her about the milk and the cow. <laughs> I said no loving, no squeezing till I get a wedding ring. Um, so this is it for you. This is trial marriage. Uh, yeah, I guess so, right? I mean, that's a it's a big step. I'm happy to take it. We were together for like seven years. Before uh, that. So you're doing like the right thing. It's not like you're all excited about it. You're no, like, hey, she put a lot of time into this. You know what? She deserves it. No, 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 no. Uh, it was just, it was, I mean, it was that time to make that move. And uh, um, it's been great so far. She doesn't have a job yet. So if anybody has any advertising jobs. What kind of, she does advertising stuff? Advertising stuff, yeah. I got a lot of great advertising ideas. She ever gets stuck with anything. Uh, I've got just a ton of ideas. Oh, perfect. On the plan, maybe hopefully Dollar Shave Club or something like that. This is oh, please, <laughs> please, they're good, they it's are, yeah, they're so good that we barely even need to talk about this. They've taken over the world now. This is your time of year, it's summer movie time of year. We're getting there, I'm very excited, yeah. And what, what will be the first summer movie this year? Uh, the first one is Iron Man 3. All right, now, oddly enough. This is the only one that I really want to see. Shane Black. Shane Black. I'm yeah. a Shane Black guy. And I also heard that he's going to do a lot of outside of the suit stuff. Well, I don't know. Like I saw about 20 minutes of the movie. They mm -hmm. did like a little early screening thing of it. Was it terrible? It was fun. It was exactly what you think it's going to be. And there was definitely Shane Blackness to it. Like, I mean, he calls like a little kid a pussy you know it was like it's true though yeah it was true right, so it, you gave a what you, it's, it's a major spoiler, spoiler. it's, it's gonna, we it's gonna we come we never made a spoiler alert thing it should be on there oh uh, i don't know don't worry about it but just just the shame blackness of it and uh but there's like there's like a lot of suits in it you can see on the, the poster has like 40 yeah i suits. saw that yeah like so, what's he do operate them with his mind uh i don't i don't want to say do, i don't want operate some of something mind. i mean it yeah there's i mean there, there's comic book storylines that sort of influence this one of them is this thing called extremis and that sort of is what? now what is a comic book story uh, sort like a comic book is like a movie that they just write down yeah okay i, so, I yeah. gotta read one of those yeah no, they're pretty interesting yeah it's a newfangled thing all right so that starts the year when does that start uh it's like may 3rd i think wow it's late this year yeah i mean you do get you get you get your big movies in like march that, that they sort of push sort of make them like almost summer movies like yeah the tom cruise movie like oblivion comes out in march and what's that about uh, i don't know it looks like wally but with humans where he's like the last human oh Earth, yeah and then he finds other stuff. humans yeah. in the basement his name's jack yeah, and so uh, I, I mean, we'll see. And then the, like, there's a new Evil Dead remake coming out, like in April. So like, they push the things early at this point. You love the zombies, right? Just I know um, Z Wars is that the name oh, of it? World War Z. I, I I like that book, but that movie is. Not, I think I think I read they were doing reshoots like last week. It comes out in June. It looks oh, like geez. it should be called <laughs> yeah. World War CGI. <laughs> 
It just looks like the trailer is all CGI. It's it's one of those classic examples. They took a, the book is really cool. The book is like a diary of uh, all these different vignettes of stories of what happened after the war, during the war. But they just now they take Brad Pitt, throw him in the middle, and he runs around trying to save the world. It's like, oh, they, uh, we've seen this movie. We got the question up right now. What summer movie do you really want to see? Hicks, do you got one that you're dying to see? Because I do want to see the shit. All right, hold on. He's coughing up a baby bird. <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. I wasn't even talking. You were nothing. It's just <laughs> cough that cancer out, right. your son. It's out. Good. It's out. I want to see the Hangover Three because I really want to see how they're going to end it. I I never thought seeing the first one. I never thought they're going to drag this thing into so, a, And second one is so bad. <laughs> no, 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 no. Second one's so much better. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, they had a monkey. Yeah. Yeah. There's a speedboat. No, I I don't like that movie. I I, I hope three. I like that they go. Uh, you hate Zach Galifianakis. No, I like Zach Why are you such a hater, 4G, baby? I, I like that they went against the formula this time. It's not them just, like, waking up. I don't know. See, I like the formula. You don't know and that. I like, I want to see Zach. I want to see Silver Linings playbook. I want to see The Office. I want them all <laughs> back together. And he's going to fucking really do well. And then the little Chinese guy. He's in, yeah, and then, uh, and then G, uh, my dick's small, <laughs> and everybody laughs. And then the uh, the Geely guy. I'm gonna talk like a brat guy. Hey, what you look at, homie? <laughs> I'll bust a cap in your ass. And everybody's like, "Fuck, he's funny." Get me forty old E and a fat brat. Word up, yo! Come on, it's great. I do like that too. That sounded like the Davy Max Sports Program. The, what the fuck is that supposed to be, motherfucker? Chance, true. True, you're getting a reputation. Hot fire, that's right. Enjoy it. All right, wait. Here's uh, Grant. Grant and Phil, you're on the Run of Fetish show. Hey, guys, I was wondering if you got a chance to check out uh, Nick Offerman's new movie. Somebody up there must like me. The, I, I haven't seen it yet. I saw the uh, when they were just selling stuff for it. Uh, and they were very, very funny about it. I guess it's another weed picture, right? Uh, I think so. I haven't seen it. Offerman, though, is blowing up. Like He had like three movies at Sundance this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he's doing real well. It's real fun. I, but I haven't seen that one. Uh, and heard, I haven't really heard much about it. So it'll probably be available on VOD soon. I want to just see a movie where he makes a canoe. <laughs> I like it's a coming. documentary. It's coming. Or a rockumentary. Uh, if you want to get in on this, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. All right, people already writing up Kick-Ass 2. I'm excited for, for Kick-Ass. People that Kick-Ass 1 was just not enough. You need even more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, that movie didn't do too well. It only did like $60 million, and everybody thought it was kind of a bomb. But That seems like a lot of money to me. Yeah, but, you know, not when, you know, a movie can make, you know, like, they're making a Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunter sequel, because that movie did, like, 15 million here, but it did, like, 250 million international. What? And, and, yeah, like, so, I mean, I mean, so 60 million, like, seems okay, but it's, it's not, and... You gotta get that international money. Yeah, and I don't think Kick-Ass did that well there either, but it, it just, it built up a following, and now they have Jim Carrey in this one, and, uh... And is that girl too old for the part now? No, but and actually, it's a lot more about her. Like the the, the Kick Ass Two is based on uh, two comic book series. The first one is just based on Kick Ass. Now it's based on Kick Ass Two and Hit Girl, which are like two smaller runs. So they took the two comic. You love Kick Ass, right? I do. Because the little girl. All of it. I just because a little girl said cunt, and also <laughs> don't no, you find that she was kind of sexualized in that film for I, a little girl? I think so, and I think she's going to be even. 
no. I'm gonna be honest with you. I just love the idea of like a guy just getting up and uh, and being a superhero and just made it was like a different take on. Well, superhero. how come you didn't like the the Rain Wilson one like that, where he went around hitting people? Super, I love that movie. Okay, I think that's good. Great. I mean, in, uh, is it gonna be Mystery super Man? too? No, I don't think so. Well, the guy who's doing Super is making a new Marvel movie. He he got he went up to the big time. James Gunn. He's doing uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I call him with, Jimmy Gunn. With uh, the kid from um, Parks and Rec. And then sometimes I call him JoJo Gunn. <laughs> um, here's uh, Snowy. You're on the Run and Fetish show. Hey, how you guys doing? Yeah. Uh, we'll throw another comic book movie on there. I'm looking forward for the, to the movie The Wolverine, because that's supposed to be in Japan, based on one of the uh, mini uh, short stories that came out originally with Wolverine, going to Japan to the Silver Samurai's going to be in it, and Viper. It's going to be pretty... Looking forward to that one. Hopefully it's better than that first Wolverine origin movie. That, that's the one that I love. That's the one <laughs> I couldn't get enough of, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was just like, hey, you better shut your ass unless you want to get some sharp things in you. <laughs> that's what I like when he does that, when the sharp things come out of his knuckles. Well, you can get plenty of that in this one. Right, how did they end up in him? How is that even... Where, where do they go back up into his hand? Well, A, he's a mutant, so he can regenerate. So because he can regenerate, yeah. they... Uh, they took his skeleton and gave it this like adamantium. Right. So like so now those they're part of his. So is, skeleton. It, is it over his skeleton? The the yeah, metal's over skeleton. And but then here's he, the thing. All right. So the claws come out. Yeah. Then when they go back up into his wrist, why isn't there lumps on his wrist? I don't know. The, the CG isn't good enough for that. Apparently. I got thrown out of the theater. We're yelling out, <laughs> "Why are the lumps in his wrist?" I kept yelling it. Where are the lumps? Where are the lumps? I tried to get Where everybody done. Lumps? Yeah, I couldn't, oh. when, uh, I couldn't get it going, though. But you see what I'm saying, Chris? Like, look how long those claws are. Then how do they get back in there? they got to go somewhere. Yeah, I, th I, th I think they sort of just move up. You know, they're sort of in embedded. He also has the thing that comes out of his dick like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That hurts. It's, good, it's good if he's banging an evil person. <laughs> It's like seven. There's fucking people. I didn't that. see that, dude. What, really? Oh, man. Yeah. Is it good? It's great. I saw six, and I didn't like it. <laughs> but then everybody told me seven was so much better. You gotta watch seven. Yeah, The um, Wolverine is directed by uh, James Mangold, who did, you know, 310 to Yuma and Walk the Line. So hopefully it has a little bit more uh, character and interesting stuff to it. Um, uh, hopefully. Here's a question for you. Go ahead, Corey in Tennessee. You're on Run the Fez show. Hey, what's going on, buddies? Hey, G-Baby, when is uh, that Darren Oski Noah's art project supposed to come out? Because I saw, like, production sketches of it, but I haven't heard anything else. Yeah. Well, and if you like that, you like the Bible. Day, or, like, is it set in... No, it's it, days. No, it's it's set in the old days. It's a period piece. Russell Crowe. I think the I think it comes out in 2014, like March. Is that right? It looks like yeah. It definitely comes out in 2014, and it's definitely like big, huge, epic production. Noah's Ark. Uh, they bringing Steve Carroll back for this one? Oh man, or is that just so. another Noah's Ark movie? I hope so. That was another one. That was that thing was so good. Oh man, totally. So fucking good. <laughs> Who's that right there? This is Noah. This is Russell, Russell Crowe's Noah. Noah. Yeah, 2014, I believe, March. Uh, yeah, and you got, I mean, Aronofsky, they, they gave him a bunch of money after Black Swan to make this, like, <laughs> Sure, he epic. deserves it. Yeah. So, uh, that's the answer to that. For this, he has to find two Black Swans. <laughs> he's got to. He's never, I don't know if the movie's going to be as successful as that, but, you know, we'll see. You, gotta, you love when a big auteur does that kind of thing. It's a very weird move for him. Yeah. Now, is he saying that he's religious, or I don't know. is he treating this as mythology? I don't know, to be quite honest. I think it sort of t uh, walks the line between the two, if I, I remember vaguely. Um, it definitely has, you know, the uh, the religious mythology. Hicks, what's your favorite Aronofsky movie? Oh, my God. Um, 
might be Pi, the first one. Uh, that fucking movie's so weird, and, and just coming out of the gate with that thing, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I'm a rec- I'm a requiem for a dream guy. What did you like about the old lady on speed? Uh, yeah, that was unbelievable. That part of the movie was seriously the best. <laughs> like where you're like, that old lady has been on speed before. She's scaring the shit out of me. Grinding the fucking teeth down. Just, just, it's just such a having the crazy hallucination. And then she didn't get an Oscar for that, did she? She nominated, I think. She lost. I I think it was someone beat her. Yeah, it was. uh, That was one of the great acting roles of all time. Yeah, Yeah. and that that movie is just so you watch it and it just like hurts to watch that movie. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's just so amazing. The editing and that, and the music, the Chronos Quartet stuff. And I was at a party with him the other night. This uh, first film club or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. And Scorsese gave him uh, an award. And Scorsese was like, I'm kind of weirded out by there now. I'm not going to lie to you. He's strange. Um, by the way, I'm para- uh, paraphrasing. Um, <laughs> look what it is. It's our buddy, uh, Ken Shane. Hey, Ken. Hey, Ron. How you doing? Yeah. What's uh, up, buddy? I want, uh, not too much. I just wanted to ask Chief Baby, I'm a big Terrence Malick fan. I want to know what he can tell me about his new film. Did you see it when you were in Sundance? Uh, no. Uh, to the Wonder, I think I missed a screening of it while I was here in New York, in Austin. Um, I've heard that it's pretty pretty good. If you like Malick, I think they said it's a little more accessible than Tree of Life. I heard just the opposite. Oh, okay. I heard it's rougher uh, watch than Tree of Life. And uh, Hicks... What was the movie you sent me to the other night that oh. was kind of reminding me of Malik a little bit? Upstream Color. Oh, yeah. I was That's great. I, I like the movie a lot. Did you see it? Yeah, I've seen it twice. I want to talk to you about it. Yeah, I really like I it. Because I want... I still need some dots. Some kind of, yeah, yeah. I, it's funny. Uh, you know, yeah, I heard you guys briefly talking about it yesterday. And you don't want... Again, it's a movie nobody wants spoiled. But I think it, it actually has but a lot more... But you could not spoil that movie. Uh, yeah, I think if I told you, if you, we said, like, this is if what the movie's about. If I had the cliff notes, I don't think I could still follow it. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's and yet, when I left there, I had a very strange, like, I don't know, like, maybe subconsciously it attacked me. Yeah, I actually think, I think it's pretty narratively straightforward. I mean, he just tells it in a really non-linear, crazy way. Without the, language? Yeah, well, the, yeah, like, I think the last 20 minutes doesn't have any speaking. It's like the opposite. Oh, of I was talking during all that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, here, piggy, piggy. But yeah, it's uh that's an interesting movie, and he's a he's an incredibly talented guy, but really eccentric. I went to a Q and A with him where he actually connected some of those dots, uh, and he he doesn't like to he doesn't like to talk about his craft. He doesn't like to talk about his process, but he'll talk about you know writing and stuff. And uh, he he's a, he's a great interview. But wait, really but craft and isn't part of process? Uh, no, I think he doesn't. Writing like isn't craft. He doesn't like to talk about the technical stuff. He doesn't like to talk about the camera, the budget. Uh, what kind of lenses he use? A lot of people ask that kind of stuff. He doesn't like to talk about. But if that. I talk to him, my first question is going to be, "What's your budget? And <laughs> what was the camera you used?" Yeah, he he won't answer. It's I'll answer for him. I'll go. Well, Ron, uh, the budget <laughs> was very nice. So you you love Terrence Malick, uh, Ken? Oh uh, yeah, I'm a big fan. I mean, obviously there aren't too many fans, too many films to be a fan of, but I think that's one of the things I like about him. He has made that many, although in recent years he seems to be stepping it up. Yeah, he's yeah. coming on like gangbusters. Yeah, yeah. After, after Tree of Life and To the Wonder, he has another movie with Christian Bale and I think he might even be in production on another movie after that. But he's just going crazy. I think he was at uh, Austin City Limits recently, or a couple months ago. He was shooting with like Rooney Mara on stage for some like music thing they're doing in one of the movies. So well, yeah, it's just uh, yeah, Night of Cups, that sounds right. All those guys yeah. like Rooney Mara. Yeah, they do. Uh, 
I like those films that, you know, not everybody did. I, I, I really like The Tree of Life. I really like The New World. So I, I, I could see why some people wouldn't, but uh, I really enjoy all those films. I love Tree of Life, and I saw it here in New York, and then when I was leaving, it was packed. I was leaving, this lady was going, what the fuck was that? <laughs> yeah. And I was, like, really cracking up, because I was all like, man, I need to call my family, you know? Yeah. I'm walking out, and I'm like, I need to touch base with everyone. We're not going to live forever. And I just, what the fuck was that? Did you ever see the YouTube video or TMZ where like they're talking to Benicio Del Toro? I love that thing. It's the best thing I've ever seen. And Del Toro <laughs> was such a prick. Yeah, and then in the back is Terrence Malick who's never done, hasn't done an interview in like 25, 30 years, if ever, and like they don't realize that it's him. Just and then he's trying to like hide his face. But he's not supposed to be like <laughs> some weird dude. He just doesn't want to be part of that world. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, you he's know? not weird. I mean, he's totally like just a t yeah, He walks away. <laughs> <laughs> and look at... Uh, I think it's it's worth noting that uh, they, that Criterion just put out a Blu-ray uh, reissue of Badlands, which I really want to get my hands on. That should be great. That's a stunning movie. Yeah. Yep. What was the other one with Sam Shepard uh, and Richard Gere? Days of Heaven? Uh, Days of Heaven, yeah. Days of Heaven. It yeah. was a stunning movie. Yeah, he, he's uh, he's pretty uh, pretty pretty sick, pretty great. All right, dude. Nice to talk to you. Thanks, man. Peace. See ya. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. Uh, John, you're on the Run Fez show. Hey boys, I just want to see if uh, Duncan Jones is up to anything. I love that movie Moon with uh, Sammy Rockwell. Well, yeah. did you see the next one that he did, the one in Chicago? Yeah, that was uh, Source Code, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was all right. Yeah, he uh, he's actually um, he was pre prepping a, uh, a sci-fi movie that he said was like Blade Runner, but he actually right now is developing uh, the World of Warcraft movie with Warner Bros. Really? Uh, That's yeah, weird. It is weird, but I mean, again, it, but he's uh, also up for every big film. Yeah, it seems like he doesn't get every big film. Yeah. Well, this one he got. Sam Raimi was doing it originally, and uh, and then somebody else. But now, now that's what he's attached to. Who knows when that's going to happen? You know, because they need script, and that's such a big property. Well, that'll be a giant fucking movie, right? Oh I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a huge step up for him. Yeah, I mean, and that's what happened with all these guys, the little guys. We just said James Gunn did Super is making Guardians of the Galaxy. These guys are all like. Yeah, but they're going to be better. You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't yeah. you rather see these guys make their own cool little movies totally. rather than G.I. Joe's 3? Right. I know you like the first two G.I. Joe's <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I love the toys as a kid, and then to see the toys as real people. Yeah, I think I think it's just, I think it's they're hoping for something special, and then they're cheaper. You know, those guys are, they, like, James Gunn's going to be a lot cheaper than Steven Spielberg or, you know, Steven Sodenberg or something like that. And, uh, and... I almost feel like the filmmakers have to, they start small, then they have to like prove that they can do it, then they can go small again. You know, like Soderbergh's doing an HBO movie after he made a couple blockbusters. You know, it's he, still too big for him. <laughs> well, it's very, it's a uh, Liberace movie. It's going to be crazy. Mm. I'm not really looking forward to it, and I thought Magic Mike was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I, th I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed that movie. I didn't see it. A lot, a lot of guys didn't see it. That crazy? It's really good. A lot good. of straight guys didn't see it. A lot of straight guys didn't see it. That's true. But are I, you get, are you're bi? No. No, I'm straight. But I think the movie is just... I, I think talked it to a couple guys that said you blew them. Oh, man. It must be another G-Baby, then. I don't think there is another G-Baby. Well, you know, you'd be surprised. Is there a lot out there? A lot of them. A lot what of baby G-Babies running around. <laughs> yeah. I, I I thought Magic Mike had just worked on it like a, a totally different level of uh, and I haven't seen it in a while. I can't really talk really too much. Yeah, about I don't it, but blame I like it. Yeah, <laughs> it was totally different level. 
Um, uh, you're aware now. What are you doing? Uh, what am the I people doing? People to read your stuff. Oh uh, yeah, work on, I, I write for a website called SlashFilm.com every single day, except for when I'm away, like now. I do reviews, news, interviews, all the kind of stuff. I was just at South by. It's all about slasher films. No, that's, that's the, the whole site. No, yeah, it's slash film, <laughs> as in like you know, if it was like movies.com slash film or just slash film. Like Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. Well, we'll talk about that stuff. Jason. Hostel. Yeah. Hostel. Uh, hostel. Why don't you call, call TorturePorn.com? I, didn't, I never saw Hostel. Do you like that? Uh, I don't like seeing people get tortured. Yeah, I like the movie. It's a slow burn. It takes like a long time to get to the craziness, and then it gets really crazy. It's better than two. Which is just kind of nuts. There you go. Okay. No, that's the third one, right? Uh, is there a third one? I, don't. I just watch okay, them over there and over and over. All of them. <laughs> I just love them all so much. No, we uh, do that, but that's not strictly that. It's mostly... Some are movies. Some are good. Most are awful. Yes. Uh, Hicks, what else uh, is up on the list? Man of Steel, the yeah. Superman movie. That's Where this year? Crap finally, this finally this year. It's been uh, the shooting for like two, three years. And everybody, and I'm hearing that it's really good. Mm-hmm. The They're never going to do it right, are they? I don't know. The test screenings have said, like, people came out of test screenings saying it's like, it's it's fantastic and it's going to kick off, six start this DC universe finally that you've been waiting for, Fez. I think um, everybody said that it's the Superman, badass fighting Superman that you didn't get in Superman Returns, but also with a little bit of the, you know, mystical quality you got in the in the Donner films. They said he just knocked it out of the park, Zack Snyder and, and David Goyer. And <laughs> When's this one, though? Uh, June, I think. I don't have the date on me, but it's uh, June fourteenth. June fourteenth. Yeah, it, it's gonna be. It's gonna be huge. I think that's probably gonna be the biggest movie this summer, just because if it is a Superman, B it's the big superhero movie, and if it's good, people are just gonna keep turning out. Oh, I said it's your pick as number one box office, probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the movie I'm excited to see is Pacific Rim. I mean, we know I like giant robots, mm-hmm. and this is the ultimate giant robot movie. Now, what happens here? Uh, it is set in a future where uh, these sort of huge Godzilla-like creatures come up from the sea, and so humans have uh, built these huge giant robots to fight them. So it's a giant alien versus giant uh, robot movie. Directed by Guillermo del Toro. Mm. Pan's Labyrinth, mm. you know, Devil's Backbone. <laughs> this is definitely right in Ron's wheelhouse. Well, I just think... <laughs> You know, it just teaches us so much. I, know, I just very... wish there was a giant monkey fighting the giant robot, and then the giant monster had to look uh, out for it. Hold on. All right. So these giant monsters come out of the sea. Yes. How did this Earth, humanity have the time to build giant fucking robots? Well, I think, well, I think well, from what I, I mean, I don't... 3D printing, my friend. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie yet, but cool. I, think they, I think they come out, they destroy a bunch of stuff, and then in the next coming years, they build these things. So I think it's sort of... The movie probably starts with some destruction. Then, like, then why didn't the monsters just destroy everything in the first place when your man couldn't fight back? Hopefully, hopefully it gets covered and it's not a big plot hole. I'm fucking tearing this thing apart. I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm finding every plot hole. Yeah, uh, it just it, it looks it looks so huge and cool. It's just my, my MJ. Stuff. You're on the Run Fed show. Hey, good afternoon. How you guys doing? Good. Uh, you, you brought up um, the Man of Steel movie, which which is uh, got my attention because last because if you're uh, a diehard DC Comics fan. Uh, there's been a lot of talk over the past couple of years, and we're anticipating a, a Flash movie. And uh, I think it's a movie that's long overdue, and it would be awesome. Do you guys know anything about this production? or? Well, we do know they have the song ready <laughs> that yeah. apparently they're remixing right now. 
Now the they brought back so many superheroes, but they don't have never brought back Flash because I, they don't think people want to see someone run fast. I don't know. We had the TV show in like the '90s or whatever, but mm-hmm. and it, the movie has been something that Warner Brothers has been thinking about for a long time. Uh, right now, there is a script out there. I forget who did it. it might be David Goyer who actually wrote Man of Steel. I, I, I could be wrong about that, but there's definitely a script. And uh, the, but everybody's been saying is if Man of Steel is a hit, this mm-hmm. is the start of their own DC universe like Marvel has. So then you're going to get just you're going to get another uh you know you probably get Flash, you probably get Wonder Woman, you definitely going to get Justice League, you get a new Batman eventually. Uh all that stuff. Awesome. So I mean if so Man of Steel is good and people go see it, you're probably going to get a Flash movie in the next 5 years. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe this theme you might like it. Fuck, it's so good. He will. It's the fucking most straight ahead, <laughs> on point lyrics ever. <laughs> and the music video is just them watching the movie yeah. and performing in a row. It's actually kind of brilliant when you think about it. He's a miracle. <laughs> He's a miracle. <laughs> I hope they work this into the Freddie Mercury biopic. I have no problem with that. I heard they're trying to let on that Freddie Mercury was gay, though. And I, uh... I can't imagine that for a second. You said that was bullshit towards the end. Yeah, while well, he was dying of AIDS. Yeah. Stop the lies about me. <laughs> fucking love this movie when I was a little kid. This terrible Flash movie from the 80s. I love how they brought it back in Ted. It just was so funny. Well, there's not enough attention played to Flash Gordon from the <laughs> 1970s. The soft porn film. I prefer Edward Penis Hands for my yeah. film parody, porn film parodies. Yeah, fucking slow it down. Here's uh, Jay from Long Island. She wants to tell people why they need really late-term abortions. Um, yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, uh, nine, even ten months, why not? Let them be walking around, put a bullet in their head. What do I care? Oh, I'm, that's... I'm sorry. No, that's not true. Stop, <laughs> it, stop it. Stop it. Stop what, uh, Anyway, hi, G-Baby. It's Gia, the second Hello. G-Baby. How are you? Thank you. Um, my question is, and did you by any chance see the canyons, and how bad was it? Or good was it? And what did you think of it? I hope Lindsay gets out in time for the... <laughs> I know they're doing the opening night at Denny's. And uh, they're really staying low on the budget. No, they were having that tie-in with The Hobbit. I don't know whether they could do that. Denny's, yeah. I, I have not seen The Canyons. Uh, definitely curious about it. That, that, Me too. I mean... It's actually I the movie that the really film I'm most way. curious like, about. morbidly curious. I, th- yeah. I think if they put it on, uh, I don't even know what the release thing is with that, but that'll make it on like VOD, and that'll do really well. Just because that that New York Times article went everywhere, everybody was curious about it. Yeah, yeah. So no, I'm very very curious. So you haven't seen it? No, I no, have not. No, sorry. Have you, you know, seen the movie of Baby Bennington by any chance? No, because she <laughs> gets really nuts. She gets really nuts. All right, thanks, Jay. She always goes back to her cat. Um, 
I saw something on demand the other night called It's a Disaster that I thought was really funny, man, with David Cross. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen that. but I, I hadn't even heard about it. Yeah, we, and then I'm like, oh, there's a David Cross movie. Yeah, it's uh, the end of the world at some party or something, right? Yeah. And, yeah. But it's told, it's told from the inside. So it's, it almost feels like a play. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I don't even know how to, to fucking qualify it other than it's... Uh, it's played fairly straight, as if this thing is actually happening, but the people are, they're still fucking dealing on their pre-war problems, their pre-end-of-the-world problems. Yeah. There seems to be a lot of films, comedies about the end of the yeah. world, fucking dramas about the end of the world. There's a, yeah, there's we want the world to end, G-Baby. I, I, it's just the ultimate ticking clock for drama, right? I mean, we have, yeah, you have that, there's the, the Seeking a Friend for the End World, Carell. And then there's there's a like this huge star comedy coming out this year called This Is the End with James Franco and Seth Rogen and Michael Sarah and what like everybody's in it like you know and uh, your favorite director is doing something with the end of the world right the English kid what's his name White Edgar Wright Edgar Wright yeah the world's end I can't oh, and I think but I don't think it's actually about the world's end oh god damn it I know the world the, I, I the really world there's no, trailer, there's no trailer yet the uh, it's about the Flash. Oh, <laughs> that really should just be a bet at all times. The uh, no, it's about a bunch of friends who go bar hopping, and there's a bar called The World's End. But then I think oh, aliens do. I think, but I do think like this aliens sucks. invade or something, and it sort of becomes apocalyptic. Uh, I don't know anything. I don't really know. Like he's, they've been very tight-lipped about it. But it comes out. You gonna October. try to get your girlfriend pregnant? Uh, we probably probably get married first. It Why? Probably, uh, I don't know. You live in L.A., man. You shouldn't get married until gay people can get married. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think I financially could afford that now. Couldn't afford a wedding. You never either. will be able to. No, you're probably right. That's the way the world works. No. Maybe that kid will get a job. <laughs> it's not bad. I was working at 14. Well, you don't. Video store. Mm. Of course. Nice. You ever had any non video type jobs in your life? Yeah, I worked at a library for Scholastic. Uh, and I think that was it. Though. Everything else I was at a magazine or something. Shh, be quiet. Yeah. Yeah, I would like just file books and listen to. Uh, you guys in Opie Anthony in the basement. Oh, sad fucker. Isn't that nice? I know. Sad fuck. You should be listening to fucking Queen. Flesh soundtrack. <laughs> that's, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, they're doing like Freddie Mercury uh, with Sasha Baron Cohen playing him. And I think the rumors Tom Hooper did Les Mis and uh, King's Speech is going to direct it. Well, Les Mis was so amazing. That, uh, I, uh, I know you guys, in, like, I loved it. I, I watched I'm, the whole thing. I know. Did you watch the whole thing? <laughs> I watched up until the girl died. <laughs> that was like, that. Was that 25, 25 minutes into the yeah. two and a half so hour movie? Felt, yeah, it felt like for yeah, so much more. It's it's two movies. It worked way better on stage, but it, it, I I like. But have to yeah. But uh, like Russell Crowe, like, I don't know shit about musicals. Russell Crowe sounded fucking crazy in that movie, crazier yeah. than everyone else did. Yeah, but I think I think it worked in the movie just because you know he's the, uh, you know, it just gave him such a different sound from everybody else. You didn't like him as much. I don't know. That was I liked him more. Yeah, I liked him because he was trying to kill all the other characters. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping he'd succeed quick. <laughs> Why isn't Russell Crowe would be perfect to play Flash? They've ever talked about a remake. I hope not. Just leave it. It's so good. I wish they would remake Le Mis. <laughs> or reimagine it. Well, it's coming back to Broadway, so that's exciting. Mm. <laughs> I wouldn't even turn my head. If I was walking by and the door was open. 
They were calling people in. <laughs> Did you love Mama Mia in the movie, too? Is that how far you go with this? Mm, I've, I like it. I don't love it. I, I mean, I'm definitely a musical fan, but... Uh, uh, that one's it's just this just like sort of like frivolous and I think Les Mis got a lot Whoa. more great performances oh. and stuff. So if you could only jerk off to one musical, <laughs> which one would it be? <laughs> uh, probably uh, West Side Story, probably. Oh, we're the Jets, everyone! <laughs> Look out for the Jets. We're tough and stabby guys. Did you ever see that shit, Hicks? I never saw West Side Story. Yeah, it's, That's picture uh, winner. Yeah, it's the best picture winner. They dub in the voice. But everyone's like, yeah, everybody, we're starting a really mean gang. <laughs> and it comes out, there's a thing where it's like the gays against the gay Puerto Ricans. <laughs> <laughs> and they dance around each other gaily. They actually tried to bring it back. Uh, a oh, couple years ago, and the reviews were like, "It's a little too gay." I saw it. It wasn't. I saw it. <laughs> it, it was, was very gay, it right? It wasn't good. It just. And it was. It, it doesn't. It's very, very dated story. You know, not just the Romeo and Juliet of it. Just like yeah, the gangness and just a bunch of white guys don't. They're not like white gangs. Yeah, well, anymore. yeah, they it's don't just, have white gangs. Well, white supremacist gangs, right? That'd be a very different movie. And she's made good country before most motherfuckers get. I'm high on oxy. I'm gonna take a nap. <laughs> End of Act One. And scene. <laughs> Look out, everybody. I'm a real bad guy. Bad guy who's going to stab you. Hey! Um, that's your favorite musical of all time. Yeah. That's that's in my top ten movies of all time. I, I it just I saw it when I was like in seventh grade and was it like singing in chorus and it just hit me. It's You like now I know I can be gay. Now I know what I yes, something like that. I now I know what I want to be. I wanna sing. You never definitely never had a gay experience though, right? No. Okay. All right, so I'll make sure I stop anybody from saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Would that ruin your career slash film? No, I don't think so. Yeah, like the talkbackers would just be. Well, the talkbackers probably say that anyway. They're they're yeah they're decidedly unkind. But uh, are they are they mean to you? Oh yeah. Why? <laughs> I don't know. They just are. You should you ever call them out in like your fucking in your any articles? Nah, like, you got you got to ignore them. You got all you fucking cunts. <laughs> the comment below me. You can suck my cock. I have said like I have like slyly said something like you know I know this is gonna get crapped on. Like I wrote this whole article about like. Just Star Wars prequels. Dudes. And stuff. It was about blowing dudes. <laughs> now, what were you writing about Star Wars prequels? I said, I said that like that one thing they should do with the uh, Disney owning Star Wars now is maybe in like 10, 15 years remake the prequels because they're so bad that if they do, you know, if the Star Wars movies, if we're gonna get a new Star Wars movie every year from 2015 on, why not remake those movies? So I, I gave an idea and I said, you know, what you'd need to do, and I, and I think I probably put some things in there like saying like I know that you guys, <laughs> I know this is not gonna go over well. <laughs> Like two hundred fifty comments later, you know, it's just an <laughs> evisceration. But uh, you know, it's fun. It's just fun to like just write about that kind of stuff and just like just throw it out there, see what's what. They're really gonna make a movie a year. Yeah, well, that's the plan. Yeah, the plan is a movie a year. So it's as a Star Wars fan, it's both exciting and scary because it's like now. Well, how just, can it be anything but scary? It's now TV. You've yeah. ruined the movie business. And real movie people are now doing TV. That's where we've we've flip-flopped until we've turned the fucking movie theaters over 14-year-old boys who want to see zombies and giant robots fight monsters. But at the at least we're getting good TV out of it. There's, That's there's, the weird thing. There are good movies out there. I mean, like, I, I was at Sundance for like 10 days, and you some great, great small movies. Yeah, they're not going to play anywhere. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they're right. not they don't going make to money. play. They won't make money. Yeah, so hopefully they'll get a job on fucking 
uh, HBO. There's people who make that. And I agree that you can go out and find good small movies, but they don't play in the cineplexes. No, it's and, that, and quite frankly, you know, I guess you could blame adults for not showing up anymore, but it really has become a fourteen-year-old, yeah, fucking art form now. And and they they want to that's where they can go out at fourteen. What can you do with your you know, your time besides you know try to find booze? That's because you stop kids from smoking. Yeah, if you let <laughs> fucking kids smoke, then they wouldn't need to go into a movie theater. And so they would they would, fi- they would find the other movies much more intellectually stimulating. But uh, and then you can watch movies at home now. Like you said, it's a disaster. It's a small little movie that you just happened upon, and like then it came out before. Yeah, it came out in theaters, mm-hmm. and it'll come out in like two theaters, just like theatrically, because like now filmmakers just want to see their movie in theaters, but think they pretty much know that's not like unless you are one of these major two hundred million dollar movies, you're probably not going to get the play. See, I'm going to be one of those guys who just misses movies. Yeah, because I like to go out to a theater. I like to see a movie in a theater. The video on demand. That's where I saw Flash. Flash! Oh! Yeah, they, I mean, like, that's. I, I saw Flash Gordon, like, last year. They replayed it at, like, one of the small places in LA, which is, you know, things like that are the best. That's why I love it. 35 millimeter. Oh, wait. I was joking when I said. I saw it there, so. Alright, my new prediction is this movie won't get made the Freddie Mercury story. Because they've still never made a Hendrix movie. Yeah. They still never made a Joplin movie. I think a lot of those things have to do with, like, just family rights and stuff, though. You know, like, they don't want, like, they've never made a real good Elvis movie, right, either? I mean... They've made, a, they've made as many Elvis movies like, as there's been fucking Star... Well, there wasn't anything in there. They're all lying. You yeah. know what I mean? They're all lying about what Elvis did. Now no one knows anymore. <laughs> like Elvis said to me, and I told Elvis, you gotta do Hound Dog. You know what I mean? Like, you were always found out that that person was, like, really the only one who loved Elvis. And every one of those things like I told Elvis straight out put them pills down wow so you're responsible for Elvis's entire career yeah everything <laughs> and you and you try to get him off the fucking drugs I did I did everything right wow and everyone else what, yeah. everyone else was just everyone else was just stealing from him but I was earning my money okay. you know and they all <laughs> they all tell the story in the book where they're the hero and everyone else's shit fuck it man he should stay a, a crazy fucking legend we have well, well, there's nothing you can do about it. It just will stay out there like that. Elvis and Jesus, you can't, you cannot trust what anyone says about either one of them. At least fucking Elvis knew karate. I mean, could you imagine if, <laughs> if uh, fucking TV and movies were around when Jesus was here? You would immediately have twelve deals when the disciples telling their version of the story. Man, and, uh, Jesus, uh, <laughs> I was the one who told him, I said, don't swim anymore on top of the water. That's the way to do it. Wow, that was you. Yeah, Red. Wait, <laughs> it was me, Sonny, like Jesus, everybody was there. Um, Here's our buddy, Andy in Cleveland. You're on Run the Fed Show. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm extremely excited for uh, Superman. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm apprehensive about Hans Zimmer being handed uh, the baton for the score. I just every score he tur- he touches he ten- turns the ten into like this this just noise. And I, I I I guess it goes back to the fact that I love the Christopher Reeve version, and I think that theme 
that theme is so iconic to that character in the same way that the James Bond theme is iconic to that character. And we haven't had to change that. That's why in Batman I wanted to hear... No, they are... I don't know whether that would have worked for the Nolan, but, you know, but... I just I don't want to hear a Superman. I don't want to see a Superman movie with like from 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 for two hours. I don't you know. No one needs to see that. Well, I like I, I think Zimmer. I like his like Pirates of the Caribbean stuff. But you are right. I mean, like that was the one thing that Brian Singer but he didn't, didn't write. That's the thing. That's one of his studio things. That you know he, he gets all those guys together, and uh, you know you, if you want to know who wrote the music and most Hans Zimmer scores, it's usually the guy that it's like you know with blah 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 or Hans Zimmer and blank. It's usually the guy whose name is in the blank. Blank is great. The lion's share yeah. of that score, and then Zimmer just claims it is his. All right, but I, I, I do the reason that, like I said, the one thing Singer did right with his movie was he did keep the Williams theme, which you're right is like perfect. And we hear it right now; it's so good. And, but and I think Ottman, John Ottman's a great composer, and he took that he took the elements of that theme, and he he just ran with it, and he really did some really cool things with that with the original John Williams score. And I just, I don't know, I don't see why we have to drop that particular ball, but I am very, from the early visuals, I'm very excited to see what Zack Snyder yeah, well, I, yeah, Yeah, I think Snyder said when he was asked about the Williams score, he's like, I love it, but he's like, I want to start fresh. I, I don't want to, I want this to be a different Superman movie. I want it to feel different and, and uh, unique and separate from everything else. So that means dropping the score. I mean... I, 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 I totally understand what you're saying, and I hope I, I hope Zimmer really. I think he knows it's a big score. I mean, it's a you know he has so much to live up to, but uh, I don't. We'll see. We'll see. Like I said, I've heard it's good. I've heard nothing about the score. I'm sure he's probably still working on it or finishing it up now. You've already read your uh, written your review, even though you haven't seen it, <laughs> based on the other words that you've heard. No, no. I, well, I did write. We, we do like early buzz pieces just to get people excited, but half the time that's just studio. Why plans. do you want to? Yeah. Why do you want to get people excited? I don't know. Just because it's fun to be excited about these movies. It's fun to be anticip to anticipation and, and hope it's good. And most of the time, yeah, you're disappointed, but there's always next week. Seems like uh, your chick's not the only person in the advertising game. <laughs> you as well. What can I do to get some asses in the seats out there? All right, thanks, Andy. I hope Hans Zimmer butchers this fucking thing. <laughs> I don't, don't think there's it. much you can do. You know, I mean, I... If I was, I don't think I'd ever go back and use the original score. I yeah. was making a new movie. I think that was one of the big mistakes. The Superman Returns. Oh, okay. They tried to find someone who looked like Christopher Reeve and just redo the whole thing all over again with no. Could new I just point something out? The Christopher Reeve movie blows, <laughs> and it's fucking embarrassing. And you're not. You were five when you saw the fucking Christopher Reeve movie, so you fucking loved it. But when the other one come out, you're a full-grown man. You're like, this isn't great, like I remember. But if you were five and you saw the other one, you were like, this is fucking great. I, th I, th I think if it holds up. I mean, granted, I have, you know, sort of superhero taste. but It it's... didn't even hold up then. Oh. It was bad. Uh, Superman is, in, is such a hard character to, to do something with because he's, he's infallible in, like, every way. So to make that movie interesting is tough. And I think they gave it sort of the, that feel with those movies and, and play with it. I heard they turn him into a rapist in this one. And when she gets out of prison, he becomes super. <laughs> Man. Uh, wow. You believe know. a man could fly? Nope. Still don't. <laughs> still don't believe it. I know we don't have long with you, G baby. You gotta go to the yeah, airport. Yeah, I, I got my flights at five thirty. I gotta get out of here in a little bit. What time you gotta go? Uh, around two or so. All right, I'm gonna break quick and come back and say goodbye to you then. And uh, cool. I had this dream last night that your plane went down, so I just oh, wow. final destination. Go over it with you. 
I didn't see that. Was a plane went down in it? Uh, yes, that's the first that's the plot of the first one. Somebody mm-hmm. has a vision, the plane went down. They get off the plane, plane goes down. Shit. How many of those are there? Like six? Well, they, Five? The, the new one is Budapest. There's going to be six. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Crushing in the Budapest! <laughs> are you a sleeping uh, guy on the plane, Hicks? Yeah. Drink I'll yourself into a goddamn... Have, have, <laughs> have some cocktails. Have some cocktails before I get on the plane. Maybe take a Pilski and then just, you know, sleep away my uh, flight. I, before my sobriety, I loved plane days because you can start drinking at any time <laughs> and no one gives you any shit about it. Like, you can get up and just start doing shots. That bar is open at the airport in the morning and you're yeah. doing shots. And if, uh, someone said, what are you, a nervous flyer? Yeah, that's it. That's what I am. <laughs> that's my thing. Really worried about Nerves. <laughs> shit. <laughs> Woo! The only fucking two places that you can really drink before you go into uh, is like an uh, airplane and if you work at a steel mill. You're allowed to stop and do shots. If you have a masculine job. Yeah, get a buzz on. I love it. All right, we break. And uh, you, I'm going to let you tell us. I know you got some stuff we didn't let you get to, right? Not really. I got some stuff to talk about. I can. I got something if we want. Yeah, sure. What is it? We talk about. about we were talking about uh, all the big movies this summer. I got like five or six of the smaller, really great movies coming out this summer. You don't care about those, though, do you? You don't <laughs> oh, really. But care. I've seen these, and I can vouch okay, for them already. Great. Oh. These are these are five that you've already seen. Already seen. Coming out this summer. Great small movies coming out this summer. Any robots? All right. No robots in any of them. We'll break. We're right back. Ron Bennington. Right. All right. Tez Wally. Yeah. This is the the Ron and Tez Show. Dollar Shave Club. You're not going to get gouged figuratively or literally by Dollar Shave Club because you're going to have plenty of great quality razors always on hand for a great clean shave. DollarShaveClub.com. Just a few bucks a month. It's a website that's not trying to rip you off. They're trying to save you money. Just a couple bucks a month, you get razors delivered to your home each and every month without all the frills and without all the extra expense of the name brand razors that are adding things like 10 blades and vibrating handles. Just a good, clean shave from dollarshaveclub.com. Go online. You can choose from their different packages that will get delivered to you each and every month. Never be without razors again. It's dollarshaveclub.com. A great shave every time with dollarshaveclub.com. Dollarshaveclub.com. Yeah, buddies, it's the Ron and Fez show. We got G-Baby back in studio before we put him in a plane and send him to more civilized weather. He was just telling us he believes that the Jon Stewart-directed movie is going to be the biggest film of the year. Oh, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't even know. I know he's doing it. I know he's leaving Daily Show for a while, but I don't know. I don't remember what it's going to be about. Uh, some hybrid thing oh, okay. or whatever, you know. Ben. Yeah, he's trying Whoa. to be Ben Affleck, like we all are. Who isn't? 
Oh, uh, you said you've seen five movies that are going to blow everyone's dicks off this summer. Yes, I mean, like you said, we it's, we were just talking about the big, big movies, the Man of Steel's and stuff. But the, I mean, summer they also do a lot of counter programming, and I saw five movies in the festival circuit that are coming out over the summer or that are really, really good. Okay, give us. Uh, right, number, are, these, are these in order? Uh, no, they're they're in release order. So this okay. is like when they're coming out. So uh, May seventeenth, Sarah Polly's documentary "Stories We Tell." All right, Sarah Polly's actress from Go. Uh, she's directed a couple of movies that are pretty good, and this movie is fantastic. And it's a documentary about uh, it's about her family, which is kind of really messed up. But at the same time as she's making this documentary about her family history, discovering her family history, she's also has the cameras on her. So it's a documentary about storytelling. Why, why is her family messed up? Well, it's kind of like uh, she didn't really know her dad, and like uh, her, her mom left. It, it's it, it, hi, it, Hicks. <laughs> it's it's uh, Sarah Pauly, thick as thieves. There's a lot of uh, it, it's it's a lot of stuff that makes the movie good to reveal like what's wrong with her family. Like I really things. dig her though. She's done a lot of good work. A lot of good work, and sh this this is a, like an incredible movie. And for a documentary to have these kind of like uh, just sort of uh, flips on you, it just it, it surprises you. Did you, you cry? Oh, uh, maybe I don't remember, but it, it, so but it, I'm, I'm, the movie is amazing. Uh, it comes out May seventeenth. It'll be on VOD and stuff, and it's just it it, cha it challenges what you like think a movie can do. It's really really good. Mm, okay. Uh, so what's the name of it again? Uh, Stories we tell is the name of that one. Okay. Uh, next up is the is uh, is a is a part of a trilogy. It's Richard Linklater's Before Midnight. So. Uh, it comes out uh, May 24th, and every nine years for the past, uh, would that be 18 years? No, or 27 years? I don't, tw I don't know. I can't. It's add. less than 27 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, but she, he's done these movies with Ethan. Three and 18. Yes. They, uh, with, um, wow, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. And it's, the first movie is Before uh, Sunset. Next one's Before, no, it's, no Sunrise, then Sunset. Mm -hmm. That's Before Midnight. It takes place nine years later. Uh, and I, again, don't want to give anything away about the story on this one, but it's it's if he kills her. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> not going to be a fourth one. Do you find out he's a vampire? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you've seen the other two movies, this is better than the other two movies. It's very much in the same vein of the two people walking around, talking, discussing their place in life. But now they're in their mid thirties, uh, and uh, again, I won't say exactly what happens. I wrote a review that. that that gives that away because it's easier to talk about the movie if you say that, what, where where they both are in their lives. But uh, it's just it's it's incredibly acted, incredibly well written, and just I think the the premise of doing these talking movies every nine years is kind of brilliant. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it would be. Uh, it's always sad when you would like for me with the Rocky movies where you're trying to recapture youth, <laughs> but this is almost like in real life if you caught up with people. After so many years, the fact that there's it's really two characters makes it a lot more interesting than if there were 15 characters. It's like you're watching and getting older with someone. Yeah, and and you and you just they've become these characters almost. They're they're so comfortable with chemistry and everything. This movie is just like it leaps and bounds ahead of the uh, the other two, which and those two are fantastic. So these keep getting better. Yeah, um, the third one is a movie called Fruitvale. Uh, the Weinstein Company bought it. It won the Audience and Grand Jury Award Sundance this year. Um, it stars Michael B. Jordan, who was on uh, Friday Night Lights and he was in The Wire. And it's the true story of uh, this guy named Oscar. Uh, it's the day, his final day in his life, uh, where it, it happened, I don't know what year was the actual event. But it's the kid who got shot at the, uh, by the cops for, on the train. So it's a, so it's a final, it's a, it's a 
in a biopic of his last mm-hmm. day of his life and just you see like him going through this thing it's it's very very powerful and moving especially because the movie starts with this youtube video of a kid being shot in the back of the head right and then it goes back and says now here's how it's a comedy head. it's hilarious <laughs> no and it's a first time filmmaker <laughs> and uh that's that some bad taste yeah. <laughs> you're kind of a scumbag yeah 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 no it's not funny it, I, that one you cry at it is very very moving and uh, that's one of those movies that, like I said, I think Weinstein picked up, and it's going to be uh, that's going to be an Oscar contender at the end of the year. Or he'll shelf it, one or the other. Yeah. Or he'll use his other movies to fight against it. No God. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that comes out on uh, July twenty sixth. Uh, the next movie is called The Spectacular Now, and it's it's a teen movie, but not a comedy. Mm-hmm. So it's a teen movie about these. Uh, th- this kind of cool kid and this kind of nerdy girl who, like, you know, strike up a relationship, but he's an alcoholic. So it's a uh, it's a very very real slice of life movie. It stars Miles Teller. You can see now he's in like Twenty One and Over. He was in Project X. Uh, he's really like becoming like more and more famous and blowing up this year. And this is going to be the movie that makes him a real big star. And Shailene Woodley, who uh, was in The Descendants, she was the young girl. She's mm-hmm. in Spider Man and stuff. But uh, and the two of them have again really good chemistry, really well written. It's by the guys who did. Uh, it's written by the guys who wrote Five Hundred Days of Summer, and directed by the guy who did Smashed with Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And uh, it's it's again it's it is more of a comedy, but it's mostly drama. Will the kids like it? I think or is this for adults? I think it's both. I think that, I think kids will go see this. Could movie. I take a kid to this? Uh, you take like on a, a date. I, it wouldn't be a very good date movie. No, it's not a very good date movie. But it's but it, it is funny after and real. I have to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, again, did did really well at Sundance. It did well at South by recently, and it's and it got bought right at Sundance. Yeah. Harvey uh, was there yelling. No, I think it went to a smaller company. I'm buying this. <laughs> yeah, it just went to a smaller company and outbid uh, everybody else. Uh, but yeah, that comes out uh, August second. Uh, oh, that's the time of the year. Yeah. And then uh, the last one is a, is a genre movie uh, called You're Next. Uh, it comes out August 23rd, and it's directed by uh, this guy named Adam Wingard, written by Simon Barrett. It's more of a traditional uh, slasher movie. It's a, it's a home invasion movie. But it sort of takes home invasion movie and gives it a lot of new tropes. There's no real stars in it. Um, is there ever? No. In a home invasion movie? No, that's true. Well, like Liv Tyler, I guess, in The Strangers or something like that. But uh, it just has, it's just really, really... Uh, See, I don't like these movies because I think they just make Anthony more paranoid. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it is it, it is a kind of thing. And it, it has this sort of new iconic villains. They wear these, like, uh, scary uh, rabbit masks. That's kind of fr- uh, freaky. And... Uh, but yeah, it's it's really it's a real, real, like, a bunch of scary rabbits. It's a real like bad. It's a real like badass uh, thriller slash horror movie, and uh, Lionsgate's releasing that one uh, August twenty third. This made like a long time ago. I feel like yes. I've seen a trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was at Toronto like two years ago. They oh bought my it. God. Yeah, it, it was called Donnie Darko back then. <laughs> oh, it's the time traveling <laughs> fucking uh, bunnies. No, don't give no it away. T- I no haven't t- seen no it. No time travel. It's not. It, it did, it's one of the rare movies that is not. She wasn't shelved because it was bad. It was shelved because good. it was good. No, like a fine wine. They wanted this to. This is gonna make too much money. We can't release it. <laughs> no, it's because they had they had plans to do it. Then Lionsgate bought Summit, and so it sort of went on the back burner. And they were gonna push it out uh, for release in two thousand uh, October two thousand twelve. But now it comes out in August, and it's it's uh, it's really really fun. And like it's potentially it could be like a new like Scream franchise where they they, they do more what? stuff with it. Yeah. So it's funny. 
Yeah, it's got a lot of funny stuff in it, but it's mo mostly a thriller. Mostly a thriller. It's a funny thriller. I don't know. It's a funny thriller with heart, is what the whole thing is. <laughs> I'm like laughing, but I'm scared, but I'm feeling good about myself. Yeah. And uh, and then you're remembering to call your mom later, too. All and right. just check in with her. But then someone's fucking head gets cut off. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It has everything for everybody. Yeah. That's a I'm going to take movie. Donnie Darko to see it with me. <laughs> <laughs> say, remember when you used to be a big movie star? And then, uh, so those are those are the five mm -hmm. that I have. And then I just want to mention one more small movie I just saw South by. It hasn't gotten even or picked up yet, but it, it's probably the best movie I've seen in like three years. Um, except maybe Cloud Atlas. Um, it's called, right now, they're probably going to change the title. It's called Short Term 12. And it's based on a, a, a Sunday, it's based on a Sundance short film that won there in 2009. It has, um, Brie Larson, who was in like Scott Pilgrim as the the, the ex girlfriend and stuff, and she uh, she and her boyfriend is played by John Gallagher. He's the guy from the newsroom. Mm -hmm. Are um, they work in this like sort of foster home for like mentally you know disturbed kids kind of, and uh, not and uh, really? and it's just this really funny, really original, really great movie. Oh, that's hmm. funny. Uh, it it is it is funny, but it's more it's more of like a drama. It's it's everything. It's I really I can't even. It's a funny drama. I guess yeah, a, a funny drama with heart. Dramedy. It's a dramedy. A all right, dramedy with a moral conscience. You very, know, it's very slashing. Is it uh, inside or outside the box? It is actually outside the box. Get it back inside then, because if we're going to carry it somewhere, we're going to need it in that box. A lot, a lot of buzzwords. It's hard for me. I, I, I just put up a review yesterday, and like, but it's the first movie I've given a ten out of ten in a long time. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's really really good, and uh, and I don't know. I, I can't even like. Tell you you just, you're falling apart. Just I am. About I am. It. It's so it's so great. Yeah, like a flashback. <laughs> it's like fucking post traumatic. Yeah, right here. I know. It won. It won the uh, grand jury and audience award at South by. Is it uh, like this generation's Princess Bride? No, no, it's not like that. Too bad because no. that was fucking great. That is a great movie. Really good movie. That yeah. is good. Look at that. You Google it. My, my review is the second thing that comes up. Mm, what's Let's the see. first one? IMDb. Yeah, I try to write for them. I know. You're so trashing them every day. Like IMDb. <laughs> fuck IMDb. <laughs> Who the fuck they think they are, huh? Some fucking encyclopedia of knowledge? Fuck them. What's the, what's the thing that says on his review? What's the title? Best movie I've seen in three years? I just came in my mouth. South by Southwest Grand Jury winner is a funny emotional piece of cinematic perfection. Seriously, long headline. It is long headline. <laughs> That's true. That's a good Period. Point. <laughs> Goodbye. That's also the re review. Yeah. Well, you love it, and you're getting it. It's good. I mean, normally you're out there pushing monster flicks, but this time you've picked up a small movie, and you're trying to get somebody to pick it up. Yeah, I really hope somebody picks it up. And I honestly think with the uh, it's like the first thing my first my thought when I tweeted after it and I said I really liked it and I said if somebody picks it up and markets it well, it could be it could be like nominated for every single Oscar. Like there there's a there's a lead actress, there's a lead actor, there's a supporting actress, there's a supporting actor. Like they're all what about fantastic. costumes. Uh, maybe could get for costumes. Get costumes. Um, it, it just it's it's a it's a difficult movie. Like I don't know if you saw a trailer of it, you'd be like, uh, that kind of looks like I don't want to watch a bunch of kids who have like OCDs and suicidal tendencies like walk around with even great more. band though. Uh, not bad. But here's the thing: you ever hear like uh, a movie that won just for editing? Nothing else, but the editing was really good. <laughs> I mean, awesome. I don't know how you would know to give somebody an editing prize unless you saw all the actual fucking film out. And like, well, that's I'm not sure if they edited well or not. I need to see all of it. That was this year. Somebody asked me. They said, "What is the one Oscar movie you want to see nominated for an Oscar before the nominations?" Mm -hmm. And I said, "I want to see Cloud Atlas get editing." 
Because that movie, it, it's just so differently well edited. You never even should have been able to pay attention to that movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I think the editing was flowing back and forth it's, and you're it's like so great and i remember at one point going i can't believe i'm still following this story <laughs> yeah and I, have, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I haven't been back to these people every single and then everybody hated it is that i think people hated it they thought it was too long the makeup didn't work for them but just stop being babies it's a movie it's a it's stories make believe you just gotta like take the ride and it, like you said the editing it demands a little bit more of you and that every single edit between stories sort of influence it like sort of informs what's going to happen next and sort of makes comment on what already happened mm-hmm. uh, man it's so it's so good i think it comes out and if you haven't seen it, it comes out in dvd in like may or something you got oh see. you got to see your homophobic uh Kids movie this year too, right? Uh, Ender's Game is this year. Oh yeah, right? yeah. That's not until uh, November. Mm. But uh, I, it's, I hope it wins Best Picture. And, and That'd be I, awesome. I, I would be or cool. Scott Card gets like adapted screenplay or something. I he won't get a Glad Award. And you know what? This is really good. You two guys, uh, I know you got to go. Yeah, yeah. You two guys got me uh, to see to read that, yeah. and then I found out he was a homophobe. That <laughs> yes. Hardcore. Yeah. I, I just want to say thank you. All right, I know you got to go. Yeah, gotta I got to get go. out of here. Yes, thank you so much, guys. All right, now um, you get to write this off yeah, to, yeah. to let the IRS. Right, no, I already wrote it off for the, the film festival. Oh, nice. All right, Look, talk to you later, nice buddy. Quickly, there he goes. Man, dude, you're not going to fucking make go. it. Go. Come on. Our, our elevators are out, too. You're going to take the stairs. Quick. No chance he makes that flight. He's got for three hours. No chance. I think he has to go to Newark. I miss... Newark is the, the easiest one. It's the fastest airport to get to from here. You should always leave from Newark if you get the opportunity. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know shit about airports. It's not so queensed up. Well, you'll be leaving from the international airport, right? When you go to fucking I Budapest. I, I'm either... I'm leaving from JFK or Newark. I can't... I, I might what are you on, Air Budapest? <laughs> I, I'm not even sure what the fucking air flight... Air... air Plane. This is it's some weird name. This is a big long one. Just get in the back if he can. Fucking bring a pillow from home and an e-cigarette. Wear your pajamas. Yeah, they let you smoke on the European and international flights. Wait, but for real? Like, they yeah. let you smoke fucking actual cigarettes? Yeah. Oh fuck my yeah, dick. Not, yeah, they're not caught up in all of our bullshit. You can smoke the whole way there. Oh, it's gonna be a party. Well, you have a cigarette party? Yeah, I'm gonna have a cigarette party. I'm just gonna chain smoke, drink. Pass out at times. I don't think G Baby likes movies as much as he used to. He used maybe, to be all excited about them. Maybe being out in La La Land, you know, being in the game. What do you mean by La La Land? Like L A, Los Angeles, Hollywood, California. Well, why do you call it that though? Like L A, La, call it La La Land. Yeah, but doesn't it make it seem like they're kind of crazy or that's, swishy? That's it. They're all a bunch of weirdos. Maybe being up all up in it mm-hmm. made him jaded a little bit. Yeah, maybe he's a little jaded. Well, the quick question is up on the iBang if you want to stay in touch with a lot of people. See a lot of people, they, a lot of movies they want to get. I should have brought this up. Gandalf is going to officiate Captain Picard's wedding. That story's up. Um, geeks are jacking off all over America about that. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, and do we got a break or we can take it to the limit? We can take it to the limit. Because um, I believe we've got uh, a lifeboat to do. We haven't done a lifeboat in quite some time. Love a lifeboat.
da dum. I love choosing life and death. It is fun, isn't it? Now I know why God loves this job. Yeah. Being the decider. You sound like Bush now. <laughs> uh, also reminding everybody, you have until Thursday to get your bets in. Uh, not only do you get bragging rights, but we've got a signed ball by Shaquille O'Neal. And from someone who signs up today, they're going to be getting a prize. How you like that album? Pick that shit out. You don't even. What I love about it, you don't even tell us what people win anymore. It's just like they get a prize. They're gonna get a prize. It's a little deal. An anonymous prize. I could name it. Go ahead and name it. DL Ugly DVD. You like that? Hmm, is it signed by anybody? Signed by DL Ugly. It's the unapologetic DVD for someone who signs up for the bracket challenge today. Uh, here's Kevin in Houston. You're on the Run of Fez show. What's up, buddy? Hey, buddy. Hey, um, Senator Feinstein's assault weapons ban has been dropped by her own party, so she doesn't have enough in her own party to support her shit bill. So, just want to let Fez know we're still going to have guns. Hell yeah! Uh, there's a interesting gun story that they... This kid that killed himself down in Orlando, Central Orlando, I think, college. Uh, his plan was to shoot everybody at school, but he kind of fucked up, and the cops showed up early, so he just shot himself. It was like the worst massacre in history. That's, that's great, and it's depressing, and it's funny all at the same time. Well, this is the thing that got to me. He was living in the dorm, right? Yeah. And he was 30. I mean, anybody past sophomore, I'll give you sophomore year that you're still in a dorm. Yeah, when we, when uh, if I think if you were over twenty five, uh, at least when I was going to SUNY Purchase and I was dorming or whatever, if you were tw- above twenty, if you're twenty five, you, everyone looked at you like that guy's a fucking weirdo. That guy, why is that guy dorming? With well, he's like in the same on the same floor with freshmen and shit. Well, this kid was a fucking asshole, and luckily he was a fuck up. He was a giant fuck-up. Ended up having to put one in his own brain. I can't think of a worse plan. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'll plan all this stuff, and then when the cops show up, I'll shoot myself. I'll show them. So his plan, I guess, was thwarted. Yeah. All right, it's time to play uh, Lifeboat, uh, America's favorite new game show. What do you got for a six? Uh, this week's lifeboat, The Highwayman, comprising of Willie Nelson, Chris Christopherson, Waylon Jennings, and Johnny Cash. That's fucking tough. Four brilliant, certifiably brilliant men. Brilliant musicians, songwriters, all responsible for standards. This is actually evil. Yeah, this is fucked up. No, they fall for these men should be on the lifeboat, living life. Yeah. Not one of me, me being forced to choose to fucking murder one of them. I, just I don't see not letting somebody on the lifeboat as murder. They still get the chance to swim thousands of miles through shark-infested water. See, they're not going to be able to do that. Lock it up. I would not feel like a murderer if I didn't let somebody on the lifeboat. I'd be like, hey, I gave him a different chance. 
much a, worse a chance. To, yeah, I'm not saying it's a great chance, but they still have a chance. Now, if they try to get on the lifeboat and I shot him in the head, I'd feel like a killer. What I'm saying is the lifeboat is not for everyone. It's only for three people. That's what the fucking lifeboat's for. Well, when I really think about it, it's three plus me. No, all right, four. All right, yeah. But all right, so whoever is killed, uh, who's for, who's first save field? I mean, you go out of your way to save first. Willie Nelson. Surprise, knowing you're the cash fan that you are. Love cash. Uh, first save for me is Chris Christopherson. Fez, first save. Johnny Cash. And you base that on? Uh, just uh, if I was going to be a fan of anyone's music there, it would be Johnny Cash. See, that doesn't make sense to me. If I was going to be a fan of anyone's music... Um, was this your idea for a lifeboat? No, it was not mine. Um, come from a listener? I believe so, yeah. Uh, David, you're on the Manifest Show. Hey, Ron and Fez, Chris. Yeah, this was my idea, and I'm just tickled to death you guys took me up on it. Well, first of all, we think that you're evil. Yeah, you're a dick. <laughs> you know, I toiled with it for an hour and finally came to a conclusion. I asked my dad. He knew within a minute. So instantly, he said it has to be Chris Christopherson. He was a sailor in the song, and he went down with a boat. All right, that's actually an interesting thing in the Highway song. I was I a sailor. Um... So, but thank you, guys. That, it means the world to me. Just yeah. Thought well enough of it. Right. Thought well enough. We're actually furious about it right yeah, now. Yeah, I feel bad about myself. This is the most, uh, I think, difficult lifeboat we've ever done. It's just, I feel because bad. If you had a country hall of fame, all these guys belong in it. If you had a songwriters hall of fame, all these guys belong in it. There's, I mean, this is a super group on purpose. This is four solo artists who came together to have a group. And guys who were like there to be like fucking created country music. Like these these are fucking country stars. These mm -hmm. are guys that fucking wrote about shit that it's not going to fucking be beaten. Well, you've you're stating a lot of obvious things. You saved Willie up front. Yeah. Because you love him. I love Willie Nelson. I saved Chris up front. Because I love him. Fez, you saved Johnny Cash because you've heard other people talk about him? Yeah, yeah. My grandfather listened to him constantly. Um, who's second for you? <clears throat> second for me is Mr. Waylon Jennings. He's safe. Waylon Jennings is 100% safe. You still haven't saved Cash yet. It's down. Uh, my second, I'm saving Cash. Johnny Cash. The only time I've ever been able to save cash in my whole fucking life. <laughs> um, by the way, four great pictures of them. Of these guys. Fez, who's your second save? My second save is Willie Nelson. And that's just, you know, a co-employee. Well, it's cool when he came in here. Yeah. So, who are your two? For me, that's left is Chris Christopherson and Johnny Cash. Wow. 
one of these guys going to the drink. One of them is going to make the lifeboat. And the man who doesn't make the lifeboat is Mr. Johnny Cash. What? Thrown into the fucking drink. Wow. So everyone, everyone, I'm sorry. You were a, a Cash fan when I met you. I am a Cash fan. You just like the other three better. When you take all four of these 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 fucking dudes. Jack uh, Cash is the weak link. Remy, you're on the run of Fez show. Uh, the, m- most of these guys were real hardcore, shit-taking, coke-snorting alcoholics. And the one real bandana-wearing, denim jacket, tassels-wearing hippie is going in the drink, Willie Nelson. Sweet Willie. You you ask any badass in the world if he's a fucking Willie Nelson fan, and uh, he would say yes. Uh, Zach, you're on the running for the show. Yeah, I'd have to say you got to throw Johnny Cash off because the rest of the guys contributed more to his success than anything. They wrote more of his songs than anything he really. I hate to tell you this, wrote. Johnny Cash could do a song by anybody; it could be a hit. Fucking, he could end up hearing fucking. Hicks whistling something, and that would be a hit. <laughs> it was a song that Hicks was whistling when I saw them at Sirius XM. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> this is fucking great! Um, I'm not going to waste any time. I got William and Whalen left. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, you know, Will and Whaley looking about Texas with the boys. I'm kicking one of them off. One's gone. I hate to say it. Well, and Jennings, you're in the water. Oh. Jesus, it's just so unfair for any of these men. I know. It's awful. It's an awful game. This is the meanest, cruelest game ever. Someone wrote, fuck it, I jump out of the boat. You can't jump out of the boat. No, you're You've got to play the fucking game the way it's played. Trekalove, furious with you. Bring it. Liquid all day said, who the hell would fucking vote cash off? You know nothing of great music. You're looking at him. Um, I'm going to enjoy the uh, thing. And it looks like Christopherson and Whalen are in the most trouble. Uh, Willie and Cash, fairly, fairly uh, comfortable here. Um... Preston, you're on the run of Fez show. Uh, Ron, first of all, I want to let Pepper Hicks know he's a goddamn communist, heathen bastard for kicking out Johnny Cash. You're a communist. And second of all, Chris Christopherson only because he played that awful damn movie, Convoy. Sorry. Um, Gotta go. You know, say what you want about Convoy, but it was a movie about trucks. Now, the funny thing, all these guys have been in bad movies. Yeah, and they both all had weird fucking shit happen to them in the 80s or whatever. Fucking Cash made that crazy chicken song. And by the way, Convoy was Sam Peckinpah's last film. So if you get an opportunity to go out with Sam Peckinpah, you do it. Was it a great movie? Uh-uh. No. But it was based on a lovely song, Convoy. Uh, Charlie, you're on the run of Fez show. Ronnie B, Waylon Jennings is going in the water. Number one reason, he reminds me he looks like Hank Williams Jr. Or Hank Williams Jr. tries to dress like him. That's it, going in the water. <coughs> like Hank Williams Jr. Ouch. Come on. 
Well, Jane's badass. I've never heard anybody say anything bad about Well Jen's in my life. It's that fucking awesome, just fucking old school country shit that's amazing. Like Merle Haggard and all those other fucking guys. It's, it's the shit. Fuzzy, your turn. All right, I'm down to two Chris Christopherson and Waylon Jennings. Uh, plus side for Chris Christopherson. He's done the show before. Mm-hmm. Uh, minus side for Waylon Jennings, appearing as the balladeer on the Dukes of Hazard and doing that theme song. Why is that a minus? I... Those boys were having nothing but a good old time. You didn't like that? I didn't care for it. I Waylon ne- Jennings goes in the in the water. I didn't know that anybody didn't like that. Come on. Now I'm going to throw this out. I'm not even going to ask some pips. Who goes in the water feel? Has to be Chris Christopherson. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You heard that he was a guest on the show. Come on. Okay, I do feel bad about that now. Whatever I do in life is going to be destroyed, Nick Basile Radio. And for that last crazy comment. Uh, Mike, in Long Island, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm sorry. sorry. Uh, hey, guys. How you doing, uh, Fezzy boy? Uh, Ron, I got a big mall conundrum here. Well, this is highly unusual in the middle of a lifeboat. Oh, no. It's a moral conundrum. Conundrum. Yeah, uh, I cheated on my wife last night. I fucked this hot ass shit. Now, are you got a moral conundrum, or are you bragging? <laughs> Should I tell her? Why would you tell her? I'm guilty. Yeah, that's your fucking thing. It gets worse. I don't even want to hear this story. It's, uh, it's my son's teacher. This is bragging. This is not fucking <laughs> anything but bragging. Yeah, go tell your wife. No good? Yeah, go tell your wife. All right. And tell your kids, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Ruin right, your family. There you go. Probably make a YouTube video about it. Fuck. Bob, you're on the Run Face show. Hey, Gundy. Um, I'm kicking off Christofferson, and because I want to stretch my legs, Waylon Jennings, his ass is going over, too. Huh? Don't even answer people back like that. Vernon, you're on the Run Face show. Yeah, Chris Christofferson's got to go. Um, I don't know how I don't know who these people are. I don't know who these people are that listen to this show. Haters. Haters got to hate. I guess, but sometimes they can actually you know enjoy things, not just sit around hating shit. They got to hate. Um. All right, it's up on the iBang. You play it out to the end of the show and more if you like to. March Madness contest still going on. Uh, there is a piece up on the iBang where a teen in New Jersey is suing two different school districts because of a bullying case. He didn't get saved by a bully. The two school districts tell them they're going to get him after school. And they're not kidding. Good. Be careful out there. Because two school districts are looking for you now. Murph, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, 
correct me if I'm wrong, Ronnie, but isn't Will Jennings who got uh, that little Obama kid kicked off the plane? He's got to go. Here's uh, Clint. You're on the Run of Fez show. Well, now I sound like an ass for saying it, but yeah, he should have died in that plane crash with Buddy Holly years ago, so Waylon's got to get off the bus. Yeah. Is to it. People d- do feel bad about the fact that La Bamba uh, got his seat oh, and yeah. Waylon was supposed to be on that plane. It was La Bamba's time. Was it? Yeah. So you do believe in God? Oh, I believe in psychics and some sort of other kind of otherly world power. And you always say this, I do believe in ghosts. I do. Matt, Brooklyn, you're on the Run Fez show. Hey, Ron. Now, yeah. you know, Wayland's going in the drink because Chris Christopherson drove a bulldog, a Mack. Anybody who drives a Mack truck with Big Ben is good in my book. Talk to y'all later. All right, bro. <laughs> Eight six six Ron zero Fez eight six six Ron zero Fez uh, March Madness uh, contest is up on the iBang right now. You've got the deadline on Thursday. I want to bring uh, Matty Ice back in here and talk a little b-ball with him. Talk a little baseball. Talk a little football. Talk really everything but. Hockey for some reason. He well, never brings up hockey. He hates it. What's your problem with hockey, Matty Ice? Why the hate? I, I thought you'd be an I- hockey. Thought you'd be an Islanders fan. No, I wasn't raised on hockey, so I never really got got that into it. You it's just learn. not in your blood, huh? Not in my blood. Who's the one who turned you on to sports? Probably my dad. What about you, Hicks? <sighs> Gambling. It was gambling that did it for you? But like, it wasn't like my dad. Like, well, actually, no, I watched a lot of baseball with my dad growing up. So I really cared about baseball. But everything else, I gamble on. You know, one of the great things about the city, and Chicago's the same way, is that where you ever go in the summer, there's a ball game on. Any bar you go into, there's always a ball game in the corner. Yeah. And no one is sitting there freaked out over it. It's just playing. <laughs> it's just a nice thing that's playing there. Every once in a while you look up, somebody fucking goes yard, and you're like, hey, I just got a very magical moment. Here, watch watch this replay. He tears the fucking tits off the ball. Uh, most other sports bring a lot of stress, a lot of tension. The tension that runs through March Madness, where one, no matter what your season was, one game and you're out. Not best of five, best of three. No, one game and you're out. Thing is, it's tension for everybody because I don't care about Indiana, but I have them in my final. So if they lose, I'll be pissed off. I, I don't, I don't care about them at all or any of these teams. But if they lose and I have them winning, I'll be pissed. Well, you're gonna look like a fool, right? Yeah, you will look like an idiot unless your final four comes in. My non-Kansas State final four. Hicks. What? Why can bring that up? He's like busting <laughs> my balls over here. Well, he thinks you're a fucking clown. Well, look, my final four, Duke. Kansas State, VCU, Miami. Oh, now you're on my Miami bus. I'm glad to say it. Oh, that was always the Final Four, but you know the championship game will be Kansas State versus VCU. <laughs> Switch it to Miami right now while you get the opportunity. You think I should? Yeah, you got though. <laughs> go for the Louisville-Miami. Maybe I'll go Duke-Miami because I already have Duke in my Final Four. No, no, no. I'm staying <laughs> with Kansas State. <laughs> 
this. I wonder what the odds are that if you even can pick a Final Four. I know Nate Silver is getting involved, and this is of the latest thing he wants yeah, to he blow. Is. Nate Silver's a stupid asshole. He is. He's turned him. He he could have been a fucking hero, and he was like a greedy, attention-loving. He wanted to stop. No, he couldn't fucking turn it off. You got to walk away. No one to hold them. No one to fold them. Exactly. Well, I'm talking about your laundry right now, Nate. <laughs> you know, Nate Silver never took a bride. Never found a woman that he really liked. That's weird. Isn't it? Like, you can't find, like, a nice lady that loves your giant brain that fucking sometimes guesses things correctly? Mm -mm. Sometimes. <laughs> Once. <laughs> Plus, what about the other 63 million people who thought Obama was going to win? How come they're not getting credit? Nate Silver is the product of the media and the hype machine, is what he is. That's he fucking heavy, dude. Thing. That's fucking heavy, dude. And that's the only thing he fucking nailed. He keeps on predicting things that don't come true. It's fucking... All of his NFL predictions were fucking crazy-ass wrong. But, like, he's not the only person who predicted fucking Obama to win. There it's, was other people. It's because that goddamn website. I know you. Website. Yeah, you hook up with the New York Times, and everybody's fucking on your team. If you fucking walked into a bar and go like this, I'm meeting someone from the New York Times. They're like, "Oh, wait, we do have a table, really?" Because he's just a paper boy. Doesn't matter. Come on in. I'd love to have a paper boy from the New York Times here. He's got pull. You tell somebody you're from the New York Post, they go like this. All right, stand out back and where the Mexicans smoke. And later I'll try to run you out of fucking half a plate of pasta. <laughs> Al Bolton just comes out and just punches <laughs> you in the fucking face. He just hunts them all down. You hate the Alec Baldwin, huh? No, I, li no, I like Alec Baldwin. It's funny how the fucking Post just, just tried to just make his life hell. Well, he's left wing, they're right wing. <laughs> and they know they can get him that crazy. You know, it's his own fucking fault. You can't be doing that all the time, Alec. You're not fucking Steven. I like both. I enjoy reading the Post every morning, and I enjoy Alec Baldwin. All right, now the the site has Waylon Jennings going off. Chris Christopherson, short change behind that. And, well, and Willie and Johnny basically setting up in the boat itself. Feeling very comfortable. It's like a Mandingo fight against Christopherson and Jennings. That's racism. <laughs> like a white Mandingo fight. Oh, then that's fine. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this young man looks like a white Mandingo. He should be taking over the NFL. <laughs> First of all, copyright the name White Mandingo because we're working on a movie. Will do. You just put your hands on a white Mandingo. Is it, will it be like in some alternate past where fucking black people enslave whitey or or just be just a giant white guy? I almost made a racist joke and I ain't going to do that. It would be the only time that the, the slaves were coming up with penicillin. That was my fucking joke and I can let, let it go now. <laughs> Could you help us with a steam engine? What is a black guy named White Mandingo? This is weird. I actually, here's what we could do on White Mandingo, the alternative past, right? Yeah. Is that the black men will be the masters and the white men will be the slaves. And then the white men have to go to work and pay taxes while the oh. black men will get the benefit. <laughs> Wait a minute! No! Wait a minute! 
and that little scene from Racism Radio that I don't even agree with was just performed for you. We've got a hit on our hands. I know. That's what I don't want. No, no. I don't want those kind of hits. What if, what, okay, or what if it's like white man, like white man dangle, like be like new arrow black exploitation films, and then we just fucking go to the bank with that, just turn one out after another. White exploitation. White exploitation. That's what ET was, <laughs> and The Godfather, and Star Wars, and On the Waterfront. Can anybody beat the Miami Heat? Can anybody beat the Miami Heat? In a seven-game series? Yeah. No. <laughs> what about my so. thing of going back to LeBron rolling his fucking ankle? I really like my theory there. If he rolls his ankle, and yes, someone could beat him in the series. But, like, they're playing right now, and, like, he's playing right now, and, like, Wade's and Bosch are playing right now. No, no one's going to beat them. It's not happening. I got to figure out that we'll roll three fucking ankles. Should sneak a sniper into the fucking heat. Don't even say that as a fucking joke. Then if he does get fucking shot, I didn't mean that. Because I made the same joke about JFK. Oh, I made then again made it again about MLK and then Bobby Kennedy. And finally, like you got to stop your joking, dude. That's pretty fucked up. And I made a half a joke about Reagan. This game very convenient. Mm. 1,600 entries. Yeah, it's going to be tough to beat 1,600 people. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the odds are ridiculous. One in 1,600. Well, you no, fucking no. This is the amount of... There's 4 billion possible combinations of... Bet all of them. <laughs> all right, I have to get to fucking filling out fucking fake email addresses and making... 4 billion... Come on, NCAA. This is a, any chance for betting gets you fired up. You don't even watch basketball all year. Now all of a sudden you're fucking shaking. Yeah, I, I, I'm fucking juiced up. I'm juiced. Took the Valparaiso pick, huh? Yeah, what the fuck? That, yeah. was, that, that was my call. I'm, I'm making fun sure of you. Was. Sure it was. It's on my cheat sheet. Sure. It's right there. I, I can't keep my fucking brackets around anyone because people are going to start stealing my shit. And once it fucking comes through, I'm going to have to fucking share the fucking goddamn glory. Fuck that. You're stealing my shit. Bullshit. Your paranoia is embarrassing, dude. You're running around in that rumpled old paper like it's fucking gold. You know, you guys remind me of the guys who shoot each other over the gold in the fucking tomb and nobody gets out. Good. No one should have it if I can. Come on. Give me the rope. Please. Give me the rope. Sick bastard. Uh, you can still get in on this up until Thursday, actually. I'll go over to the iBang. And uh, click in our March Madness contest. Thursday at noon, the games start. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. It's oh, the fucking soon. tension's going crazy. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be fucking. It's going to be fucking pandemonium. Fuck. Yeah. You're going to be drunk through this whole thing? <laughs> I, can't, I can't be drunk through the whole fucking thing. You're going to be drunk for every game. <laughs> games aren't during the show, also. Perfect for us, dude. Because we have the kind of job where we can keep seven to eight TVs going at would, all the time. I would love to watch all the games. Yeah, you're going to see them all. Yeah. 
You're going to see every fucking game and call them. I hope so. All at the same time. This is going to be like Red Zone. And I'll be like an update? Yeah. You're going to be like fucking uh, Scott Hansen. That's fine. I, I'll I sit love right Scott here Hansen. all the games on. Just... Scott Hansen is the greatest human being that's oh, ever Scott lived. Scott Hansen's the best. We, with those 38,000 papers in front of him, always going through him. He knows exactly what's going on. All the names, all the stats. Every game never mispronounces a name, never gets freaked out, never you just see him yelling, what's going on? Keep me up. You know what I mean? It's just always, always cool, always got it together. The only time you ever kind of lose is when there's a quad box. That's when he like, gets like... That's when I'll go, it's quad box time, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Remember to tweet at it, it's fucking quad box. <laughs> I screamed at my house once, quad box. <laughs> I did. I just screamed. I was like yelling, everybody come in here, it's a quad box. You do it all the time. It's so exciting when it happens. Has there ever been a quint box in history? I don't know. I've I'd love to see an op box. That's my <laughs> biggest dream. It might, maybe if it wasn't for fucking Thursday Night Football, fucking sucking away games. If they ever made Monday. it to an ock box, fucking Scott Hansen would pull out a gun and shoot himself <laughs> in his own gun while he was laughing uncontrollably. I think you're than that, Scott. But you know what's really sad is like the fucking uh, four o'clock games where you see Scott Hansen just sitting around, he's smoking a cigarette, he's checking his fucking text. We've only got three games to go to. Two of them are in timeout right now, and the other one's Cleveland. So don't forget for the uh, package of all the touchdowns you're going to see at the end of Red Zone today. Oh, I love that fucking package in that day. I always spin back. Like I'll turn off the four o'clock games because I'll just go on when I'm watching ball game now, and then but I'm back at the end of the show to see them all. Yeah. To see if they got everything. Oh, they're good. They know they're doing over at Red Zone. How we doing on lifeboat? Waylon is Waylon's going out. He's got forty three percent. Chris Christopherson's thirty nine. Still, that's tight. It's just that the other two are so fucking safe. Yeah. Looks like Willie's every bit as popular as Johnny Cash too. Everybody loves Willie Nelson. Everybody but the IRS. Yeah, what the fuck was their problem? It's just one dude. Just fucking. They just want his money like everybody else's. That's Willie Nelson. They, they were, I agree with you. Are they not fucking You're Willie fucking Nelson? preaching to the choir, bro. <laughs> are they not fucking fans of Willie Nelson, the IRS? I guess not. I guess they're a bunch of fucking heartless robots. I don't know. <laughs> Everybody's got to pay the man. What are taxes due? April 15th. Oh, Some shit. Some kind of famous fucking thing. <laughs> I thought it was April 1st. <laughs> It's April Fool's Day. That's the day I'm going to tell you that your fucking taxes are due and tell you that the cops are here. I hate when that happens. Look how late the TV gets the viral videos. They always have stuff up from like a week ago. There's lightsaber kid. They just fucking air it. <laughs> I love that kid. They say he eventually ended up just fucking hanging himself. Oh my God. That might be an urban myth, though. I think it is. Oh, here's this keyboard cat. The cat's playing the keyboard. It's really fun. Everybody likes cats. Mm. Some people take them upstate. And you know what? Torture and murder them? Mm. Mm, maybe. Oh, that's so sad. I know everything's sad. I want to thank George Thurgood today. That was fucking dope. He's now my new best friend. <laughs> 
Fuck yeah, go to georgethurgood.com to uh, check out all of his uh, tour dates. And he's touring. We'd have we do a Twitter uh, contest with him, but you'd actually have to mail him a letter. That's how old school he is. He demands mail. And we need to announce a winner from today's bracket sign up. The bracket challenge. Still time to sign up. You gotta get in uh, on the iBang and then fill out your brackets by noon on Thursday. That's the deadline. And the winner of the DL Ugly a deep signed DL Ugly DVD. Get some of that Dirk. Get some of that Dirk. <laughs> That's the name of it? Yeah, get some of that Dirk. You are the winner today. Check your ESPN mail. Get some of that Dirk. If they win the whole thing, it'd be great. Dirk. Dirk. All right. That's it for us. Uh, Maddie Ice, the other weird kid's back tomorrow, so while I have the opportunity, I'd like to just say I think you're doing a good job, <laughs> but I'd like to say that without making anyone else cry and put me on their kill list. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. Have we ever given Rob an update that we're fairly sure that that kid's going to be a school shooter in here? He said he might be late tomorrow. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me recheck the uh, text. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I might be a little later than usual. This is all right. I might be a little later than usually tomorrow because I have to drive my mom to work. If that's not okay, I could try. I could try to find one of my boys to drive her. I don't know. By the way, when you say one of my boys, it sounds gay. <laughs> that's pretty fucking gay. It also sounds like sexual with the mother. Like one of my boys is gonna take care of my mom. Oh, I didn't even think of it that way. Could you imagine his face if on Thursday I'm sitting here watching games with you guys and on the phones all four hours? Well, I won't have to imagine his face. I'll see it. So I'll do the... Since there's only one guy that can give us the updates. And add me to that list Why five did he more add times. cigars and scotch to his kill list? I can't remember. I think... Um, it was a comment, I think. I think it was he made a comment about... <laughs> Popcorn <laughs> and then cigars got added. There's the, there's the, you know, of course the girl who wouldn't date him. There's G Rock, Sam, Doctor who couldn't make him feel better. Whoever stole his wallet, Maddie Ice three or four times, and Drew Brees. So the Thursday, it'll be me five more times. There may be a traffic court judge involved. But we don't know yet. There's no traffic court going on. Nothing like that. The bartender from before court who served him. <laughs> and one of his boys who begged his mom. <laughs> Alright, that's it for us. We'll see you guys later on the iBang. Lots more stuff to go up. Thanks again to George Thurgood. GeorgeThurgood.com to get the opportunity to go and see him. That's it for us. Anything on the TV screens tonight, Hicks? Wednesday night, off night? Oh, uh, there's uh, some playing games for March Madness at uh, 8 p.m. I'll watch them. I think at uh, 6.40 and 9, right? Oh, 6.49, I got the middle. 6.49 p.m. are playing games for, to get into uh, March Madness. Your opportunity not to go any further in the tournament <laughs> than the first round. And that's the end of my show. Donk. With Harry, Mark, and John Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday to Thursday
with Harry, Mark, and John. Satellites gone up to the skies. Things like that drive me out of my mind. I watched it for a little while. I love to watch things on TV. Satellite of love.